Yo. Testing. Let me know if you guys can't hear me. Yeah, you're coming through loud and clear. Nice. All right. Let's. I'm setting up the uh, the Leo thread, and then we'll get going. Yep. So I just talked a little bit while we're setting up the threads. Matt, you know, back in Baja, had a little bit slow start to the year when it comes to CTT, but we're back on it. And even though this is more of a freestyle show, I think it's a very important topic. Um, I think it's time that we start eating our own dog food and start demonstrating these things and how they work. And when we go to talk about it, we'll have something to point to and say, well, look, you know, we're over here doing this, we're over here doing that. And then we can flip the question right back on them. Um, I don't know if anyone was paying attention to the, uh, it's a meme coin called uh, like Harry Potter, Obama in you, some kind of audacious, ridiculous name. And um, they built a water well, right? Sounds familiar. Don't know what it is with water wells, but everyone seems to be doing it nowadays. Um, which is great, obviously. Anytime anyone can do something like that, it's an amazing thing. But they happen to go viral for it and get a lot of notoriety. And I know people on Hive could maybe sit back and get a little bit frustrated in terms of, well, you know, they built one well. We're over here building it. No VCs, been doing it for a long time. Be nice to get some notoriety as well. But I think there's a better approach and using that energy in more of a judo style. And embracing anybody doing any kind of help, centralized or not, and offering them a solution, a parallel economy, a parallel place to be able to speak freely and build tokenized communities. And it's just shaping up very well in terms of what Hive can offer the technology that's available for these other platforms. So and be sure. Matt's going to post the Leo threads. Keep in mind, you can get crypto. You can actually earn from listening. Uh, great thing about Hive is the distribution method. Zero fees. And we can have incentivized distribution from each person. So we are incentivized for you to earn, for you to show value. And in return, you get value. The value for value model. Also, the buzz. Lots of Microblogging, those things can become very powerful when you think about it. The ability to demonstrate value in real time and earn value in real time without any barriers to entry, without any middlemen. There's a lot that you could do with that kind of use case. But we're using it today for CTT. I guess while Matt finishes, um, if you look at how things are shaping, there's never been a bigger demand for censorship resistance of storage in terms of text and everything else. I see more and more of what, you know, hive mind, just the world's hive mind, what people are thinking, the conscientious thoughts. And we're sort of at the rope's end, right? You used to have a dozen different platforms. You know, you had the Odysseys, you had all these little places you could go. And now if you look 
you know, there's very few. You have like a rumble, a kick. I think kick is a little bit worse than rumble and censorship. And of course, we all know YouTube and Twitter and all these. Um, but the selection is going down. And not only has the selection going down, if we're excluding Hive, the selection is getting more centralized. At least with Odyssey, you had, uh, I mean, you know, we don't believe in storage of large data on the base layer. But at least they were like throwing something against the wall and hoping it sticks, you know, like ugh. these attempts now are just, they know they're centralized and they're fine with it. And then you have to trust the shareholders, um, you know, the, the owners of the site, not to, not to censor you, or you have to trust that they don't get enforced, right? Cause they're only one person. You can only take so many arrows. If you're one person, you're a centralized point of failure that's destined to become centralizers, you know, really. If you play it out in theory, that's what happens every time in practice. Um, once something grows and becomes powerful, there's always the forces at bay that want to put a cap on it and want to control it. And they will control it. If you see what, you know, the hostile takeover, that was just one small example of the extremes people with power and money will go through to try to control something. And that was nothing compared to, you know, the forces out there and what they really can do. So if you have a point of failure, you know, you might as well treat it as a stepping stone. We all use Twitter to kind of get into the awareness pool, right? Decentralized awareness pool, get our names heard. Instead of being trees falling in a forest with no one around, we go to a place where they are, regardless of the platform. It might be devil's platform itself. But if we can utilize that and judo that energy into Hive, and not just Hive, any censorship-resistant network, you know, I say Hive, maybe there's a few others, but, you know, my focus right now is on Hive and the layers being built around it. Then we might as well take that, but there's too many people who look at the Stepping Stone as an island, like they're just going to live there forever. Oh, I'm always going to have my little Rumble channel, and my kids' freedom of speech is going to be saved by Rumble, of course. Like, it's just foolish. It's like short-term thinking, what can I do for myself right now with the total disregard of the future and future generations? I mean, it's obvious we're not going to be relying on Twitter and Rumble for the next decade for our freedom of speech. I, you know, God help us. I hope that's not the case. I hope they remain op optional stepping stones where people have a parallel, parallel universe they can live in that don't have these draconian rules and censorship problems. So 2024 is shaping up to be a very big year. There's lots going on. I think everyone as a collective species is sort of tired of the games and the bullshit and the censorship and the being treated like lessers. And I think there's a very big demand for what we've been building. What, if you're listening for the first time, you know, Hive, the community, what we've been striving for is all the ideals that, you know, a lot of people are shouting for right now. 2024 is going to be the year we prove it. Yeah, man. Nice little intro there, Dan. Appreciate that. Uh, is my vocal coming through okay? Clear. Okay, that's good to hear. Um, so, yeah, welcome to episode 99 of CTT Podcast. I've put the official Leo thread in this week. It's in the, um, the Discord room, and it's also underneath this 
space in the comments. So feel free, feel free to interact there. Dan and I are waiting there with our vote fingers. So any interesting comments that you make, any interesting questions you ask, any contributions to the show that you make, we'll be upvoting. So you'll be able to monetize your interactions with the live show. Don't know where else you can do that apart from on Hive-based platforms. So uh, yeah, go find that thread. Please share this room if you if you feel inclined to do so. We feel the messages that we're spreading here are very, very, very important for humanity. And um, yeah, just just give it a share and, and let other people know that you're you're listening to us here. And I guess from, with that we can. Oh well, one last thing is the thumbnail competition. Of course, every week we run a thumbnail competition for this podcast. Note that this is a podcast, so we need square and um, landscape um, thumbnails for this stuff, but. I think uh, we normally get some pretty good entries every week from people. So um, this week we're going to be talking about how to implement and the fact we are going to be implementing parallel economies uh, into the real world with real world use cases. We have all the tools that we need now to do this. There's a couple more things waiting in the very near um, near future that will be released, such as um, breakaway community platforms um, and the sign-up mechanisms that are required inside of that to make it easy for other people to sign up to Hive. But yeah, apart from that, we, we're going to be rocking and rolling. And Dan and I have just had a quick uh, meeting before this before this CTT podcast and had a chat. And we were like, yeah, we've got to do a CTT today. Because the stuff we're talking about, in my opinion, is so interesting. And the stuff that we're going to be doing this year. And, and I think in, in this show, it's going to be really cool to just put in people's minds what it is that they can achieve with Hive this year. Uh, and, you know, what we're certainly hoping to achieve. And, and as a result, what anyone else listening to this show can also achieve. Um, I think it's going to be such an interesting year, 2024. And um, I think it's going to be the year that, that Hive really makes its mark. I really do. I've, I've never said that, you know. I, I know a lot of people have hyped up Hive for a number of years, and, and I certainly have, but I've never actually said that this is going to be Hive's year because of really because of the onboarding issues and some of the operability issues. But those are really on the verge of being ironed out now. And once they're ironed out, we, we are rocking and rolling. And I feel like we've got the right community, the right formula. We've got the right basis for decentralization. Um, no one can argue with our points. Um, well, they can argue with them, but they can't win the points. And um, we are very close now to having all the tools ready that we need to go and actually demonstrate this. And I think the key thing here is going to be the fact that we can demonstrate these parallel economies. Um, and effectively, no other chain really can. And even if they can, it's often times that they've done it from a basis where they've got a pre-mine or an ICO or a CEO that can be therefore regulated and so the competition is scarce i feel like this is going to be our our moment to shine yeah i feel like what we're doing is sort of like developing um, so let's say you're trying to develop a wheel and you try to square you try to all the different um, shapes that you can find and you realize okay this is this is the shape that works best i think we're at that point now putting rims and tires and fancy things on the on the wheel to make it better so it doesn't crack when it goes. That's what we're that's what we're at now. Um, you, if you look at Hive and the way it's set up, you can basically just drop it like an air like you know a parachute, just drop it in the middle of just anywhere. And if there's any kind of e-commerce, there is a game theoretical way to get Hive distributed and into a parallel economy. I don't know of anything else you can do this with. So that's what I mean, the wheel, it works. Now, onboarding, making the merchant adoption easier, all these things are what we're working on, making the, the, the wheel work better. But in terms of 
you can go up to a business and you can say, hey, start Stephen HBD. People who use this hashtag will earn um, crypto. The Hive community can give a little bit of HBD to kickstart it, like Kindling. Oh, well, now you're getting customers that have this currency that want to pay. So if you implement this payment mechanism that's free, instant, no KYC, all the good things that come with Hive, stable. We'll also send you customers that want to spend that currency. Oh, yeah, and they're also incentivized to now go to other socials and talk and take pictures and advertise, basically, for you for free. None of this comes out of the merchant's pocket, yet it all helps Hive stakeholders. You see how that is? That's a very, uh, that's, that's a positive wheel forward. Because now you can go and people say, oh, what's this Hive? Have like a little business card, they scan it, get their Hive account learn about it, have people with boots on the ground, teaching people, you know, I mean, this is, this is a, it's a community. It's a people chain. It requires people to, to, to drive it, to literally, like, you have to put this into motion. It's not just going to do it by itself. If you look at Venezuela, the, those are people boots on the ground who are actually doing it, making it happen. All the possibilities are there. You can't say I can do this with Bitcoin or Ethereum. Or any of these other chains. Like, these are things that you can only do with Hive. And it is possible if you put it into into production. And Matt and I were talking and we were saying, well, you know, let's pick a town. And let's just do it. Let's roll up our sleeves. We talk a lot about it. We spread a lot of awareness. But now it's time to take the dog food and actually eat it. Like I say, we're going to convert an entire town that isn't some small town not, you know, Venezuela has a lot of large, they have more of like a territory over there. Um, but it's also a competition, a friendly competition, right? Because we all want the same thing. But, you know, right now, Hive, you know, everyone's getting their butts kicked by, by Venezuela. We can step up. There can be other places, other, you know, this should be sort of a, you know, the spend HD, HBD tag, something we're trying to incentivize. Get people spending HBD, getting people to spread this parallel economy incentivize them to do so with reputation and rewards and all the fun things that come with it. Not to mention, hey, you're liberating a town. Right? You're introducing the town to a parallel economy so when shit hits the fan, they actually have a lifeboat. Not to mention you're doing that, right? That's could be life-saving work for a lot of people in the near future. So Matt and I, you know, we're picking a town and we're just going to dedicate this year to turning the town into a hive hub where hive is accepted at most places People understand it. HBD is circulating. Lots of use cases spreading. You know that's the goal, and um, 2024 is shaping up to be that year where we have to put in the work. If we put in the work, we'll get the fruits of our labor. It's up for the taking, right? No, people don't notice lifeboats until the, the boat's going down. We are the lifeboats. We might not be noticed now, but we will as long as we stay consistent, put in the work. And if you're not rowing, you're, you're declining. There is, no, you know, there is no staying the same. So we do have to continually put in the work. The work we've put in, we can't rest on that. We have to keep doing it. I, I, just, want, I just want to say, you know, where Dan, Dan mentions putting the work in, there's certain members of the community that have been putting the work in, and a lot of members of the community as well, to be fair, have been putting in the work in for years, you know, and, and it got us to this point now where we actually have the foundation in place. Um, in the very near future, in hopefully in the next few days, you'll see on the breakaway communities, we, we've revamped the sign-up process. It's not very glamorous, you know, it's not going to wow you, but it's going to make you go, oh, that's the logical steps that we needed to have been doing this whole time to onboard people really easily. 
Um, so we, we are very confident in the next few days we will have updated the onboarding system in the Breakaway Community Platform front ends so that people can onboard people by referrals all across Hive in a very simple way. And that will just solve your onboarding issues. Once that's done, we have the Breakaway Communities out and operating now. We're about to put a few more updates into them. Um, but it really means that you can use those breakaway communities as ways to inject capital into local economies, the, the economies that build around these breakaway communities. So what we're hoping is that 2024 looks like a, a year where you're going to have people just spinning up these breakaway communities and being able to vote for content on top of those communities. The community platforms themselves have a way of measuring points so that if you're more social on that platform, if you interact more on that platform, if you log in more, if you post more, you'll earn more points. And then eventually, when we get to tokenizing those platforms with their own tokens, which is in, it's going to happen this year for sure, hopefully early in the year, um, some of the inflation of those tokens will be directed to the people who are the most social, who have the most social points. So people are going to be incentivized to use these platforms. And then once we can do that, you can start setting up these platforms for all sorts of different things. You can set them up for communities who are offline, communities who are online or on the blockchain, let's say. Um, you can set them up for physical ge geographical locations. And that's one of the things that we want to trial this year. We, we've got people um, locally where we are who are interested in doing this, talking to businesses showing them how HPD works with the V4V app because it's so easy to show an, an operator or a business how to use the V4V app and collect payments in Hive. And then it's a case of showing people that they have a front-end platform that they can use, such as one of these breakaway community platforms, where they can earn Hive and earn HPD, and then they can go spend that in the local shops and get money off. And what we've proven with the spend HPD tag is that people can use that tag and get money, if not all the money back that they spent on their purchases for demonstrating that they're spending using HBD. So we we have everything we need to make this work. We really do. We have the way to spend. We have the QR code scanning. We have a way to earn HBD. We have platforms that people can post to to dedicate their content to physical geographical locations. Um, we have the ability to distribute rewards. And then it's a case of, well, then we can distribute rewards to people who are using these platforms and demonstrating that they're spending the currency. And then, of course, you can do so much more on top of that as well in terms of actually physically paying people for using things or for taking part in things. But that just depends on how much money you can get together. Um, yeah, so we want to we want to show this. We want to demonstrate this example this year. We want to do it in, in a local town here and um, just see how it goes. But, it, you know, it, it's going to be a dedicated task to really force this in, force it through and get it to a place where local businesses are using it. Local people know that if they post about the fact they've been using these local businesses, they can earn their money back because they're going to get upvoted for doing that. Um, so any like small purchases like cafe, um, you know, small shop purchases, people are going to be able to get those things essentially for free. Well, I think that makes a big difference in times like this. And it's a great opportunity for Hive to demonstrate what it is. And, and that is the definition right there that we've just dis discussed in the last couple of minutes. It's a parallel economy. That is what that is. And, and we're going to be able to demonstrate that. And once we can demonstrate that, Hive as a, as a collective can go anywhere. And we don't have to talk about these ideas anymore. We can show it. We can say, look what happened over here. Look what's happening in Cumaná, in Venezuela, in Hive Sucre. Look what's happening over here in Mexico. 
anywhere else who wants to get involved in this type of initiative, we want to support it. You know, you see people like Lord Butterfly, they have the rally community, the rally breakaway community, they have the Vibes music community that's set up. So these front ends are up and running already. Uh, they're free to run. You don't need to pay anyone. They're very easy to set up. You need almost zero dev skills to be able to set them up. Um, this is coming fast, and I'm just super excited about it. And I see that Taskmaster is once again dominating the threads here. Let's get some competition in for Taskmaster, guys. Yeah, I mean, the way you described it, when people try to show me a protocol and um, when I read about it or the description of it, it's just like, you know, decentralize this, and we have decentralized, 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 but they don't actually like, explain to where it makes practical sense. Nothing that we're talking about, you have to like be a scientist to understand. You'd be like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Oh, yeah, that, I can see in theory how that could actually work in practice. We're not just blowing a bunch of mystery in a balloon and saying it's decentralized. These are very practical game plans that we're trying to implement. They need a community to rally around. But these ideals, they sound, they're, they're sound, right? Like no technology is perfect, but when it comes down to the bare bones, how are we going to get this shit done? You need a practical way to do it. You need to be able to theorize where everyone understands. It's not some mystery. Like everything we're saying makes sense in terms of how to implement in practice. It literally can create a parallel economy that lives outside of the government's control. These are the things and the topics we need to start talking about because they question, you know, quotes they, the the powers that be, whatever you want to call them, they're very good at muddying the water. That's why so much VC money, so much trash out there that is taking up so normal people just think all of crypto is a scam. That's why it's very important when we discuss these things, we're not just saying decentralized, we're not just saying censorship resistant. We're breaking down every basic point from the infrastructure. Always ask yourself, who's storing it? How are they storing it? How are they incentivized? How are the how is the incentivized the incentivization done? If any of that is centralized, you have to start over. Go back. Go back home. Start from square A. You can't just say, oh, but we're already at Y. We could just, you know, forget about that little piece. It doesn't matter. You have a broken machine and it's going to be controlled. You can't be lazy about this. There are no do-overs. You have to do it right. You have to take the long route. It may be boring. It may be, oh, well, why can't we cut some corners? No. It has to make sense in theory all of the way without compromise. If we can't do it the right way, we're not going to get it done anyway. It's a delusion. It's an illusion to say, oh, well, we can get by on Ethereum, whatever the fuck, some pre-mined chain, and just think, well, you know, it's good enough. It is not good enough because in those last hours when you do fail, you're going to be like, oh, man, how close were we if we would have just not cut the corners? And you don't ever want to get in that sort of um, situation. So I just appreciate the way Matt explains it very elegantly from point A to Z how this thing is done. And it makes sense to the common man. Oh, yeah, we can do that. So I think that's important. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one of the cool things here is going to be, I've thought about this over, over the holidays as well. You know, you, you imagine if you have an off-chain community, they don't have anything on chain. They're not really even online. They're, they're a physical, real-world traditional community, like a dancing community or a, I don't know, uh, a singing community or a horse riding community, whatever it is, right? Basket weaving, even, if you want to say, want to bring Taskmaster's favorite community in, but I'm pretty sure he's got them on 50 blockchains already. Um, but basically, most of these communities have a way to rank their insiders so or their members. 
So, you know, a dancing community, for example, might have an international grading where the, the people enter competitions and the community has a way to internally grade who the best dancers are. Well, that is more or less a way, you know, without telling them that you can drop tokens to those people, right? Whoever's graded above position 50 in the world gets a certain amount of tokens. Whoever's graded below 50 gets a certain amount of tokens. And then anyone below 200 gets another amount of tokens. Um, all you need is an email list. So all we need to be on the lookout for as a community is how do we drop tokens to communities of people where we can get our hands on an email list and then drop tokens to those members ranked in their official international order or in their even official uh, domestic order. Um, and that, that means that we can all you have to do is log in with your Gmail account. This is where we're going to be with VSC. You're going to be able to log in with your Gmail account and then you'll be able to get a Hive proxy account that operates via um, the resources are, are delegated from the VSC node operators. Um, and those people will be elected, of course. And so now you can drop tokens to, to, to real-world communities that have no presence on the blockchain, just based on their, their kind of their order that they, they, per, they, they rank themselves within. And these Hive breakaway community front-ends is where they can go and earn and distribute more of their own tokens via creating content. Um, this is the tool. This is the tool that's coming out this year, and it's coming out right. You know, it's it's out already to be fair, but we don't have it tokenized with its own tokens yet. But Disregard Fiat is working on that. Um, we're about to go and test net with the Speak Network. Uh, give us another week, maybe even hopefully Tuesday. We'll be making an announcement where you can earn money for getting involved in the Speak Network test net. Um, but once he's done that, then it's on to tokenizing these communities. Um, and that's it. You know, I, I really think Hive is going to be, it's going to be the year of Hive. That's that's what's going to do it. At least it's going to give any community member the ability to use these tools to go spread the gospel, you know, without having to talk about it with, by actually showing it. So like Dan was saying, there was, uh, there was a token, what was it called, Dan, that just went viral? Harry, Harry Potter Obama. <laughs> So Harry Potter, Obama, something, something, right? And it, it went viral off of one water well, one freaking water well, one tweet from someone that got noticed. And they've, I believe their market cap is a billion. No, it's, it's, it's bigger than hives. And we put 12 water well, 13 water wells into Garden already. So this shows the power of what we're doing. Um, well, the next question is, well, maybe we can give those guys a front end, right? What's stopping us from giving those guys, instead of like, bitching about them and saying, oh, this community, da, 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 they've, they've done half the work we've done, if not less, and now they're viral and they're doing, you know, they're doing okay. What if we just turned up and we're like, well, here's a front end for you guys. Sign in over here and claim your token based on your balance on the Harry Potter token. Um, then they get all the access to all the power of distribution of what the Hive tokens can do. That's, that's the solution here. And I mean, I'm not saying I'm going to do that personally, but anyone in the Hive community can do that now. You know, we are, we are, at that place we're not quite at token distribution yet but we will be very soon but certainly spinning the platforms up is there um we'll, we'll stay tuned very closely for in the very near future for an announcement of a website um where we where anyone can go and spin up their own breakaway communities and you can see which communities have breakaway communities which communities don't um you can see how to spin up a breakaway community and customize it for yourself the cool thing about that is in the future you're not just going to have to be forced to use an Xsensi front end, but you'll be able to use a Dbuzz front end or a, um, who else is talking to us at the moment? 
Mm. I can't remember the other platform that was interested. Um, was it Deepos? Deepos, Community Frontend, an Xsensi Frontend, or a, another one. I can't remember who it was now. But anyway, the, we're hoping to have multiple different choices as time goes on. Um, so, you know, you, we've obviously done a lot of work on the Xsensi Frontend to make that work for communities. But the idea is you can choose any type of skin. You can even have multiple skins operating on the same community. So you could have a community that you've built with a Leo frontend, sorry, a Debus frontend at the moment, and an Xsensi frontend on two separate platforms. And hopefully it becomes a PigD frontend, it can become a Leo frontend over time. And all of those can be integrated with the same point system. So any of those platforms that you log into to use, you, get, you start earning these community points. That gives you access to the inflation of the tokens. And you can um, you can also um, share those points between all the platforms. So you can log in via the platform that looks like a Debus front end, or you can log in through the platform that looks like an Xsensi front end. But you can get points from being social on both both of them, and then they'll have the same token under, underlying them. Um, so yeah, it's going to be super exciting, and it's going to be tools that the community can practically use to go and demonstrate. So instead of you just turning up and saying, well, theoretically, this is the way it should work because this is the way it works on Hive, and everyone's like, shitcoiner. Well, now you can turn up and be like, dude, I just spun you up this platform. It's got its own token. Uh, if you want to use it, you can use it. If you don't, don't worry about it. But we've given everyone an airdrop. And here's a DEX to go trade it on as well. Um, that is that is coming this year. And that's going to make all of these discussions we've had demonstratable. Um, and I just, yeah, I think 2024 is going to be super big. Yeah. If you if you look at the point system, we've already seen the beginnings of it with Frentech. Um, other people quickly followed suit. Um, the meme coins, all they are is a way of a community rallying around each other. It's just a point system. And if you look at how powerful the community is, they're just rallied around a name and a, and a coin. That's it. That's the primitive technology. That's as far as they've come. Whereas with Hive and these tokenized... Um, front ends you're going to be able to take that and do so much more with it be able to have your own front end be able to earn the point be able to have immutable reputation systems be able to have the work you put on right a lot of people rely on twitter your twitter accounts gets banned all of that history all that reputation you can no longer prove you did whereas hive no matter what happens no matter if you go away you come back the seasons change whoever you have that immutable reference so these things just ingrain. And if you look at these communities, it's just they're large groups of people that need that want the technology that Hive can offer. And it's our job to give it to them in a way where the market wants it. They've proven that they want tokenized communities. That's all Harry Potter, Obama coins, all these other coins. They sound funny, but it's very powerful. You look at Doge. It's very powerful where people can rally around a symbol, an ideal, and become a part of that and become a stakeholder. And really, they show off on Twitter by talking about it, and that's sort of how they gain their camaraderie. But you take that to the next level when they can earn points and side-by-side side build a front-end, build a platform, go onto Twitter. Now they're, they're advertising their home. They're not just a stakeholder of a random coin. They have a few coins. They hope it goes up. Now they're more of a part of a community that's a movement that can't be taken down. And if it gets power, it can actually grow. 
So the demand is out there. These, you know, people smock at meme coins. They don't understand. It's just a community trying to express itself. And there's a lot of money. There's a lot of potential. There's a lot of value in that because that's all the world really is. A group of people perceiving value onto what they want. And Hive offers these tools that, you know, the demand is high. So when I see these meme coins and what they're doing, you know, this meme coin, it had a water well built in Africa, right? Like that's, that's powerful stuff. And if we can just be the wind to their sails, give them extra tools, imagine what else they could do with it. So, Yeah, that's it. That's going to be, it's going to be the year of that. We're just going to be able to look at something that's trending and jump and jump on it and give it value and be like, hey, there's a platform over here you can post on. Um, and some of them will pick up, some of them won't, of course. But we're all going to have the ability to be able to do that for every coin that we see moving and going virally. So I think that's going to be super cool to see what happens there. Um, on the flip side of it as well, you know, it, it does give us the ability to put this currency into local communities. So we're going to, we were just saying earlier, we're going to do this for a town. So we'll use the same model. We'll set up a breakaway community platform for the town. And then anyone posting that they're using local businesses to spend HBD onto that platform, we'll be able to monitor that platform and give votes to it and return people value for their purchases in the physical world. So this, this is also a, a great way to apply this in the physical world uh, and distribute value to people and actually prove the HBD economy in the physical world. And I just, that, this is what we're going to do this year. You know, we're really going to dedicate a lot of our time to, to making that happen. And, and hopefully, what, I've, what I love about Hive is once you do something once and other people see, oh, I can do that too, they copy you and it, it, it actually spreads. And so I think that's going to happen on, on Hive this year. I think we're going to see multiple of these breakaway communities spin up. I think we're going to see them being used as mechanisms to, to distribute value, for showing proof of purchases, for showing interactions with local communities, for showing interactions with businesses. Um, yeah, that's where this is going. Be interested in people's thoughts. Um, if anyone wants to leave your thoughts on on the Leo thread, we've put it in a comment below. We'll certainly get to your questions. I want to read a couple out here. Um, so a lot of Taskmaster. Ah, oh, we've got IBB Tammy now commenting here. She says, 2024 is indeed going to be great, and I can't wait to see everything play out. Yeah, me either. That's for sure. Taskmaster says, I'm going to read a few of Taskmaster's comments here. He says, this thing is going to spread faster than herpes. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> you gotta be careful reading test got off the hip. You gotta be you gotta give him a pre-read. <laughs> oh gosh. Great live shows. Um let's hope so, Taskmaster. Let's hope so. Um the emerging of digital and physical oh the merging of digital and physical, the start of the spatial web. Oh, the spatial web, that's very interesting. I like the way you're calling that. Um he says the task token first 10 trillion token. Well, I reckon your basket weaving token is going to be better than that task. Come on. Only 10 trillion. Um, he also says, Town Hall is running a VSC node. and proud of it. Yeah, good for Town Hall. I caught a bit of that um, this week when you put it on as well. Uh, always good to see that show happening. Parallel yeah, VSC is really growing. VSC. It's good that the Town Hall has a node up. Shout out to them. Yeah. He said parallel circular economy. You know, Dan and I have moved away from calling, we were calling it a circular economy a lot, but I, I don't think, I think parallel economy is the right, the right terminology that, that we're going to use going forwards 
because they're not really circular economies until the money's circulating. At the moment, it's just a distribution. Um, and I guess on the other side, some of that gets sold back to market makers um, as people cash out. But yeah, parallel economy is definitely what it is initially. Eventually, it turns into a circular economy, I hope. Um, but we right now have the tools for a purely parallel economy. And ultimately, that is, I guess it is a circular economy by definition as well. He says, tie them all into high financial network. Yeah, I mean, this is the other thing here, you know, like, let's not forget, what we're talking about here is the foundations. We need multiple different platforms spun up that we can drive SEO content to, that people can use locally to spend HBD into the local communities, and then via the delegations or whale support to those front ends, they can get money back off their purchases, and this can all be transparent and de demonstrated. That's the one kind of foundation. But then the knock-on effect of that is, I'd imagine this year, I think, is going to be the year where we're going to have um, time locks for HBD. And so we're going to have bond systems. And those bonds can then be used as collateral to get loans, liquid loans. And then those liquid loans can be used to stake into ecosystems to get things like airdrops and other speculative um, opportunities in, in the crypto and other, other spheres. And that can be used to make money. And then you pay back the person that loans you um, the collateral um, so that means that the collateral the bondholders can make more passive income than just the 20% APR and then speculators can also make money on money that they didn't have because they were loaned that based on the collateral that was given to them so everyone can make more money you know and that's the high financial network on top of this and that is literally a direct carbon copy of the euro dollar or the shadow banking system that, that operates worldwide except because it's not transparent it's hidden all of its mistakes and it's not very you know ultimately you can't get enough collateral there because there isn't enough trusted collateral anymore after 2008 so the international banking system is broken and this provides a direct transparent open permissionless response to that a solution to that that is um has a unit of account in stable coins in hbd um, that everyone can understand so that is another knock-on to this you know that this is really this is why I know when we talk about Hive, it's so complete. It's such a complete circle because it's like it serves the bankers and the speculators and people who want to make passive income off their Hive holdings or their stablecoin holdings. It serves the people who want to use it for purchases locally. Um, it serves the people who want to set up breakaway community platforms to demonstrate their their work and the effort they're putting towards community. Um, that's all of it, man. That's you know that's what you need. The whole thing's backed by that. You need to state resources in order to operate in that ecosystem. So the more users you get, the more demand for resources you get, the more demand for the token that you get. Um, and it, one of the other things I want to mention as well, on these community um, platforms, you're going to have to stake um, the token in order to post on the platform. And hopefully we'll have a way that, well, we will have a way that you can delegate um, the token's resources to new users so they don't have to go and buy the token first. Um, but it will be the same model, except you'll you'll be restricted to posting to... Well, you won't be restricted, but you'll be able to post to that platform. If you don't have resources in that, in that token, then you won't be able to post on that platform. You won't be able to earn community points. Um, and you won't be able to receive some of the inflation and the recognition that you deserve for being in that community. So that gives these community tokens some kind of economic value as well. I'm not going to read all the rest of Tasmok comments here because he's dominating the thread today. But you definitely get. Ask is some kind of AI.
He, we, we, yeah. I, Tusk was AI before AI was invented. Yeah, he's the original AI. Yeah, it's crazy how powerful because none of this really works without HBD. Because if you have a centralized stable coin, let's say Ethereum, let's throw out Ethereum centralization issues. Let's say Ethereum was completely decentralized, but it didn't have a native algo stable coin. It relied on USDC. Well, what happens when USDC dominates DeFi? By proxy, the once decentralized Ethereum becomes centralized because its liquidity is centralized. So the fact that and Hive has an algo stablecoin in the way it's designed. It's um, it's amazing how that happened. Like, right? because it could easily have not happened. It wasn't necessary for Hive's development. If you see how what they when they implemented it back in the day, they really did it thinking of people wanting you know rewards and half USD basically as like a way to entice people to post more. But really, it unlocked a way to do parallel economies. Um, and of course, the censorship resistance of Hive backs it. It's funny if you talk about use cases on Hive because people are talking about what's a Hive narrative. I could think of 10 different Hive narratives right off the back and you could just build a marketing campaign and only use the blockchain for that. Because that's what most of these blockchains do. They'll say, oh, we're this type of blockchain, we're this type of blockchain. Like you could say, well, Hive's use cases, it's a way to have a stable coin and then you can post reviews and you need resource credits to post reviews. And when you do post a review, you can earn some, some of the stable coin back to go use it. Right, like that's one use case, and you can market that, and that could be a billion dollar idea. Um, not including all, oh, well, you have you know, tokenized communities, you have a censorship resistant database, you have all these things that Hive has to offer, so you can look at it from a different lens, and it becomes another billion dollar idea, and then another billion dollar idea. Um, so yeah, right now, what we've it's we've been where what they say where the puck is going, I always say where the ball is going, we've been building seeing this. You know, we didn't believe that censorship resistance was just going to solve itself. We knew that the world was going to need a transparent system, a parallel economy to be onboarded to when shit hits the fan. And, you know, I don't want to be right. You know, we don't want to be right, but it's you have insurance for a reason. Uh, you have what people would call plan B. Hive is my plan A because I no longer have faith in the, the original plan A. I don't have plan B's. I think that, you know, you have to chalk up the odds of what's happening and really put your support behind something. Because worst case scenario, if we don't need Hive, then great. We're in a world where, um, you know, awesome. But there's a real chance that we're going to need something like Hive. So it's very important right now to understand all the use cases. And Nonzo Wright says here, this is the first Hive space where we're not shitting on other blockchains, projects, meme corners, etc. It's a step in the right direction. We all know Hive has the technology, but as Dan says, we need to market it in a way that the market wants. And he also says, it seems the CTT podcast team read my post this, read my post this evening because I spoke on this topic. We need to embrace crypto trends, and I assure everyone that it will not that it will in no way diminish Hive's value proposition. There is no perfect way to do crypto. Yeah, I mean this this is a great point, you know. Like with these tools, we're going to be able to go to other communities and say, hey, look, we've built this for you. you know, and it's going to be very little risk on our side, very little effort from us because we've built the tools in such a way that you can spin these things up really, really easily. Um, as time goes on, they're going to have tokens in built into them. And, and this is coming soon. It's not like it's you know, a couple of years away. This is like a, a few months away. Um, 
uh, and the login systems are only going to get better with with the off-chain login system that's been built on Speak Network on the um, Excel Core backend. So you're going to have off-chain logins. You're going to have off-chain ability to claim tokens. Um, that's not going to be perfected straight away, but it will be a thing in the future. Um, you know, one of the things I'm really looking forward to is tapping into Solana and seeing if we can provide some value to Solana with these communities and give them tokens. Uh, and I know Jago is a big, a big influential guy in Solana in the room, so he's obviously chomping at the bit, hopefully still, to um, to make use of this. It's a few weeks away yet, but we are slowly but surely moving towards having those tools available. Um, yeah, it's just going to be so cool. So, so exciting. Um, all right, I think we should, we should move off this topic for now and uh, change to another one. Um, any thoughts from you, Dan? Do you want to give an update on Ragnarok while we while we talk about this? Yeah, basically everything that's needed to be done with Ragnarok is done from the game to the art to the stats. Now it's just about implementing the NFT side, so quietly chipping away. But I think 2024 will also be the year of Ragnarok. Low key, I know a lot of people have been waiting for it, but you know under. Uh, what's it called? Under promise, over deliver. Um, definitely been working. The game is complete, though. The game works. Um, all the little bugs, for the most part, are gone. But the big bugs are definitely gone. So you have a complete game, and the best part about it is fun. I enjoy it. It's actually a really you know invented a new game from three different old games. Basically, took Hearthstone, poker, and um, chess and combined them into one game um pretty crazy i didn't actually know when starting it if it was going to be i knew i would like it but i didn't know if it was going to be something that other people would find playable maybe the games took too long but we chipped away at it made it more efficient made the games on average 30 minutes which i think is acceptable some can go an hour um but yeah i think for the most part finding a game that's fun that's new that's different and we still have a lot of work, right? Because now we have the NFT side, we have to implement the HBD interest payouts, the yearly test net. Um, so as far as getting there, we're probably handing the baton off for the second half of the race, which I'm excited for because this is going to be much more community oriented because this test net's going to involve a lot of community members. Like you have Town Hall running a BSC node. Well, they're also getting involved in Ragnarok because Ragnarok is going to have its own nodes. It's going to be a game where it's hosted by the community. So if I, you know, whatever, something happens in my database or um, something happens in the future, you're not relying on me. The community can actually handle and be incentivized to run the game and have consensus on any updates and have its own funding and have its own. Because I believe these, I think every community should have a niche DAO, a way for people on a lower level to be able to fund maintenance and development and earn status and all these sort of things. So, yeah, um, it's been working on it just to test, you know, anyone can test it. If anyone has any feedback on the gameplay itself, but for the most part, recently good feedback, few bugs. So that's the way I like it. Are testers going to get some kind of benefit in the future then? For, so when we have the real test net, it's going to be incentivized. Now it's going to be incentivized in a centralized way. But then when the real game launches, it'll be reliant on its own economy. I'll, you know, obviously we'll kickstart it with some incentives there as well. But yeah, for the test net, 
um, definitely going to be incentivized. So that's another thing. Yeah. 24 for us is going to be a year of um, test nets because of this. We're going to have the Speak Net Network test net going on as well. Um, that is literally days away. That's literally days away. We've got um, we've got a site that Disregard's been kindly building where it allows people to log in and um, effectively mass store videos so that they don't have to click. You know, you can still click individual videos or you can upload individual videos. But we've built a site that's separate to Deluxe where you can um, you can go and see all the contracts that are available and which contracts have got less than three backups. And then you can go and click and you can mass store like the last 24 hours of those con- those videos that have been posted, which means you're effectively taking part in the latest uploads being uploaded to the Speak Network and helping back them up in an almost an automated fashion. So I think that's going to be really, really cool. Once we've got that in place, which is built in now, just writing a blog, explaining how to use it. Once that blog's out, we'll release the Testnet um, incentives program, which explains... Um, you know, for each phase of the test net that you complete, you're going to get some rewards from me and Dan, and hopefully from other people in the community. Um, but yeah, it's really going to get people starting to use the test net, starting to understand how Speak Network works, how you can make the most of it, how you can earn the most from it, how you can get the most made from your own backup. So if you're a platform and you have other content that's stored on one centralized server somewhere, well, maybe it's going to be cheaper for you to back it up on the Speak Network. Or it's going to be it's going to make sense for you to put a, just a few more funds into the Speak Network to help to incentivize your own community to store your and back up your content for you using the Speak Network. So that's all kind of coming on the test net. People are going to be able to get used to how that works, um, and then we'll figure out all the bugs over the next couple of months, um, and then hopefully we'll be going live sometime in the first half of this year. I think. Yeah, it's if you look at Hive alone, it's a complete product. However, it needed this, a censorship-resistant, you can call it a layer two. It's just an incentive layer, a way to make its transaction layer more useful by pointing it to people who are providing value. So you can prove you're providing value by storing videos, but really you can store, any, you can store anything. Uh, that's the basics of being able to create all kinds of you know, large data. That's the point. So we've been building a way for people to store everything that can't go on Hive. Now you're incentivized and you can store it. Um, to be able to take the transaction layer and point it outward now makes Hive a complete system. Because no matter what, if this part, we weren't done yet. We weren't done yet with Hive. This part had to be decentralized as well. And it took somebody to do it in such a way, because Speak Network is hot. There was no pre-mine. Everyone got equal to their hive state. Right? So there is no outside force. This is used to decentralize the large data outside of hive. So we've gotten to a point where there's enough participation that it is decentralized. We have a complete product now because now we don't have to worry about centralized infrastructure. We at least have a way on paper to solve it, which is huge because most people don't worry about the infrastructure. If the infrastructure is centralized, so is the protocol. And it's important to be able to have an incentive that we can point, and now we can get creative with it. You can do anything you're, you know, you're, you can imagine. It turns Hive into something else. It, it, it's like another level. It evolved. Now we can incentivize more. We can distribute currencies more. 
there's more ways to get in value for value. Maybe you can't blog, maybe you can't do this, but maybe you can store some things. We're getting down to what can you do? We'll incentivize it because everything you do has value in some shape or form if it's positive. Uh, so. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. You know, it's an important point to make that, for example, on Hive, I'm not very good at earning Hive because I'm not much of a content creator myself. You know, I don't really get involved in figuring out how to write a blog and everything. It's just not my thing. So I'm kind of limited on how much Hive I can earn in that sense. But I can definitely store a video. You know, I can definitely run a few nodes to store a video on my local computer. That's easy. And, and that's much easier for most of the people to get involved in. So this is an, just another way to incentivize people's positive interactions and positive contributions to the community online in a provable way that's incredibly difficult to gain without actually storing the videos or, or the other files that you say that you're storing to help people back up their, the files that they want backing up. Um, so to me, that that's a great way to get involved in crypto and a great way to get involved in the same mentality, the same Trojan horse mentality that Hive frontends or Hive blogging is. This is just do something way easier and store content, you know. Um, so that that to me is way more. It makes it way the potential is way more available to way more people than what it would be on Hive, where you've got to be a content creator to, to mine crypto. Um, so I, I think that's going to be super cool. I'm really looking forward to the testnet, and I'm really looking forward to all that coming out. And looking forward to other apps as well. You know, hopefully we get multiple other apps that want to back up some of their content um, and want to be able to incentivize their community members for doing value added activities. Um, well, this would be a way. This would be a way to do that, and it should be very, very cheap because the majority of the people storing, we think, will be people that are just using their spare hard drive, hard drive space on their computer. So they they weren't making any money off it before anyway, and this would allow them to monetize it. So they'll be able to do it very, very cheaply, um, which means that the the apps and anyone else that wants to back up files on Hive would be able to do that at a very low cost compared to what it would cost them to back up their files and say using an S an S S2 server or, a, or, or an, an, Amazon, an Amazon web service system or something like that or a Wasabi system to back up their, their content. So, yeah, why not incentivize your community members to do that? You know? So this is going to be a super cool additional value-added way to distribute rewards to people for doing positive interactions on, in the ecosystem. So, yeah, looking forward to that a lot. And uh, stay tuned because you're going to get paid some decent amounts of money for taking part in the testing as well. If you can incentivize it, you can decentralize it. That's what we believe. And Hive is now an incentive layer. So, big deal. You look at 2024, you have so many things coming in. You know, perfecting the Speak Network. You have VSC. You have a lot of other games I'm hearing. You have the Bond system, potentially. Um, you know, you have tokenized communities actually becoming plug-and-play. A lot of things that have been in development for a long time. And when you're actually building this thing to work in practice, you'll find out you'll build it and then you'll run it in practice and you'll be like, fuck, right? I got to go back because this is that and this and this and this. And yeah, you can rush it out and say, here you go. But, you know, we keep jamming it into practice and getting back, reiterating. But we're definitely at a point where we're confident enough to say, this is it. We got it. Like, this isn't fairy tale. This isn't if it's built, it's being polished. It's much different than, you know, building something from scratch and polishing something. We're at the polish stage. We're definitely past much of the major um, hurdles that we had 
And now it's just about getting the tiny practicalities to make it actually work. So people want to use it. You know, you don't think of all the little, oh, it should be on Linux or it should be on this or it needs this sort of thing or, oh, it doesn't work in this sort of program. That's what we're dealing with now. Um, but if you go and look at the speed network, it's built, man. This thing is real. And if you can incentivize it, you can decentralize it. 2024 is the time we can really do some damage here. We can distribute a lot further. We can have real tokenized communities that are censorship resistant, that don't have to worry about being popped or controlled or taken down, built a point system in such a methodical way where you, you are protected from your own self. You don't have to worry about the SEC knocking on your door. You earned the coin from your community. You weren't given it. You didn't buy some pre-mine, some pre-sale. You don't have to worry about any of that shit. You earned it. You are scotch-free, right? And that's the whole thing. People have been craving a way to earn. If you look at friend tech and all these things, people just want to be a part of the community, build some status, build some reputation, provide some value. Um, and who blames them? Yeah, that's going to be key here. You know, um, A lot of people still don't understand that once you move your own token into an ICO stake or a pre-mine stake, that is the definition of a security and if you do well from that token, then it's likely that the SEC is going to start talking to you about having an unregistered security. Well, the way that we're doing these drops on Hive, it won't be that way. Like, there's so many different mechanisms you can use to distribute tokens to people from an initial drop. Um, like I was saying before, you can take existing communities that are off-chain and you can work out how they grade each other internally. So if it's a dancing community, if they've got like a, a way that they enter competitions and grade each other internationally for their dancing skill, then you could drop tokens based on that. You know, as long as you can get an email address, you can do that. So if you know someone in that community, then you can start distributing tokens to to those people. And it's the same for any community really. Most communities have a way to grade each other. You know, most most communities end up saying, hey, how do we form a hierarchy here? And do it in a fair, you know, as fair a way as possible. So they'll and the beauty of that is because they don't know that they're being drop tokens to in the past because this is this is retrospective you can take any point in history before this technology became available and say okay that's who we're going to drop to because they had no idea that they were they were competing for a token and so you can really keep it away from the ideologies of, of, of why the SEC would regulate um, yeah this gives you this is going to give you the ability to drop to off-chain communities and on-chain communities and non-digital communities as well um, yeah, super, super, super powerful. Really, really looking forward to this. Yeah, once this thing comes plug and play, just point it at a community and give it away with you know very little effort on your end. That's yeah. when these things become powerful because a lot of these meme coins don't have um, in terms of like they they're just basically a point system, right? Which is powerful. But if you could actually influence the trending of a front end that is located to just your community and no one else um you could do this with any blockchain just cut out if it did have like a pre-mine or a centralized um distribution you can cut that part out right and go for just the raw community that earned it or bought it afterwards that's powerful you know maybe there's a harry potter front end and the, the community there can now use their meme coins to upvote um, you know, maybe they deposit their meme coin into the dress and now they get these points and they can upvote and they can influence the trending and you have to be a Harry Potter in you person to vote, you know, to, to be able to 
post on this front end. And you do that with every chain. And then the front end happens to be censorship resistant, right? Like it's decentralized. You don't have to worry about some person taking it down. I think there's a lot, a lot. I think that that vibes with a lot of people. I've never heard somebody say, no, nah, that sucks. I want to be controlled, you know? So. Yeah. And I think that the cool thing here as well is that you can demonstrate this now. We, we're going to be in, in 2024. We're going to be in a position to be able to demonstrate this to people and you're not talking about this as an ideas point of view. Oh, if you do it like this, then it can't be regulated like that. If you do, no, you're going to be able to actually distribute these tokens on a on a fair distributed basis to a pre-existing either um, token balance in these existing communities on the blockchain or off-chain to a pre-existing um, internal community ranking and distribute tokens that way. And then from that initial drop, people will be able to vote for each other and distribute tokens, um, distribute the inflation. Well, none of that has got anything to do with a pre-mine. None of that has got anything to do with a, an individual community member earning all the tokens. And so it's going to prove, you're going to be able to turn around to the rest of the world and say, look, we've done it. We've done it this way and it works. You know, and here's the proof. Here's the platform. Here's how you can get involved yourself and earn tokens. And here's the decks where you can go sell them on. You know, that's going to be 2024. And, and it's, it's going to, I think once we do it once, Anyone that talks about an ICO from that point forward, especially any influencer, we're just going to be able to say, no, this is the way you're supposed to do it. You're not supposed to do it that way. And look, we've got a model of it set up here and it works. And at that point, it's going to be very difficult to win the argument. <laughs> what you do is you just cut out his ICO pre-mine and drop it to the real fans. Well, yeah. And then he'll see if he, <laughs> when he goes crawling back, see if he can actually earn it instead of, um, yeah, because you're right. We're gonna make it cool to earn, because that's how it should be, right? Like if they're your fans. I hate the word fans. They're like your supporters, your your community, right? Um, you know, why are you gonna try to have an ICO and dump on their heads and raise yeah. them, uh, you know, fifty million or whatever they're raising? You know, why not? You know, use the technology at hand and start off on the same foot. You're all the community, and if your community rallies around you, you're gonna earn what you're supposed to earn, but if you don't have the confidence they're going to give it to you, then you might have to go the ICO route. I'd, I'd say it was an even more of a power move to start off with zero and say, you know what? My community is going to get the tokens. I'm going to get zero. But I'm confident that my community supports me so much that with the content I create, I'm going to earn myself a stake in that over time. You know, and the community. Yeah, it's a baller move for sure. It's a baller move, man. So, so then you've got that situation happening. Once we demonstrate that once or twice, it's going to be very hard to win any argument about having an ICO in the future when you could just distribute tokens this way. And I, yeah, just super powerful. And this, I thought it was a really interesting point you made, bringing the influencers in here, because you look at a lot of people in the industry, in lots of industries, and, and they've they've all done the shit coinery, of, even if they registered an, a, a, an SEC security, right, and then distributed their shit coin that way and made millions off it. It's still kind of shitty behavior, just distributing a token and then giving yourself like 20% of it or 30% of it or whatever. This is the opposite way. This allows people who have lost credibility. This is what I like about it. You could be, you know, a lot of politicians have lost credit credibility, right? No one trusts them anymore. It's kind of over. Well, this is a chance for these people to earn their credibility back in a genuine way that's voted by the community, right? Any disgraced person that um, maybe they, they should have been given another chance or maybe they could earn themselves another chance. This would be a way for them to come back into the community and say, hey, you know what, I'm going to start off at block bottom. I'm going to produce value and give back to this community to the point where they start voting for me again. 
and then I earn my credibility back in the community. Uh, and, and ultimately what it means as well is the top earners are often the most credible people in those communities. Um, and so I just think this is, it's going to be a new freaking paradigm, man. And we're going to be not only talking about it this year, we're going to be demonstrating it. That's the, that's the key thing. It's like you go produce community uh, value in your community and you're going to be getting rewards and you're going to be giving yourself credibility and the community is going to give it to you. You know, it's, it's almost like a credibility builder, like a reputation builder. Yeah, the further we get down this, um, the clearer it becomes. If you were to try to build this in another way or think of another way to get out of the situation we're all currently in, I can't think of another route. It's like tokenized communities have to be. Parallel economy, that's the only answer, right? I can't think of another solution that will actually work in practice. So these things, they start off small, they start off as meme coins, but then before you know it, they become very powerful. And... The worrisome thing right now is there's a lot of what you would call influencers, and we don't know who's giving them money to say certain things, because once you've become hyper self-aware, you study human nature, you can listen to people, and you're like, yeah, he's saying some real shit, and then at the end, you could be like, whoa, 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 what are you, you know, like, you can see the twists, you can see the manipulation, it's like, what the fuck are you talking, like, why are you doing this? Why are you leading people, you know, you were leading them right to the right direction, but then at the last minute you don't. There's a lot of that going on, and nothing's transparent. These people aren't community-backed or run. They're corporate-backed. We don't know, you know, these centralized sites might be promoting other ideologies over um, certain others. And it's like we just, it's all, we're all left in the dark, and that's very dangerous right now because there's a sheep herd mentality oh, 10 million people like this. It must be good, so I'm going to like it. You know, whether you, agree with that or not, we have gotten to that place as a species. And it's very important we have transparency more than ever, because if they don't see the other side of the argument, they're like, well, if 10 million people agree and no one disagrees, how could, you know, who am I to disagree, right? We can't be in that situation. You need to be able to have both sides of the argument. And um, with the technologies we're building, tokenized communities are what bring that to the light. Earn your credibility back, earn your reputation, so when you speak, we know it's coming from a place of credibility, not some shadow VC puppet just pulling strings and you're saying certain things because you have certain incentives. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of hate the, I hate the centralized cult followings that people have built. I'd much rather a cult following be built based on the fact that you slogged at a community for years and you built something up. You know, these days, a lot of it's like centralized VC back. You have to know the right people. And then when you can raise that money, now, now you get this massive cult following of people who think you're amazing. You know, it's a very weird phenomena that exists in a centralized world. I don't think it exists in a, in a decentralized world. I think a lot of the people that produce value in a genuinely decentralized world, they will be judged by the community and they will build a cult following because they earned it not because it's the only option for people to go for, because they have to have cognitive dissonance in a centralized system in order to believe in someone, you know? Um, I think that's going to go away with this stuff. Let, let me read a couple of comments here. Uh, Taskmaster says, no worry. Uh, the network state will take over in future. We are building that on Hive. A lot of tentacles formers. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, these, these front ends are the network states, you know? Especially if they're tied to local, ge local geographies which I think is going to happen. I mean, hopefully me and Dan are going to prove this with one of the ones we're going to set up this year. You'll see a local um, community front end that's built up where people will earn points for posting on that. They'll be able to earn little votes from us. 
and it will allow us to start injecting money into an economy and create a parallel economy um, in that local geography. He says, "Yeah, you said power, I want to touch on the geographical part, how powerful that is." Um, so right now, there's a lot of you know places in the world where if you speak out, you can be harmed, right? and um, maybe you try to speak out in a pseudonymous way, but it doesn't get heard. So if you had a front end, let's just say there was a front end for a for a place, and it, and it, it went viral, right? And a lot everyone used it. So if you're going to this location, if you're going to this destination, you look at this front end because that's what all the the truth and information and the real news go. And you have whistleblowers who have courage, right? So any corruption is now put up on a mutable database on that location. So if people are being treated badly, it can be put up, right? So I think having that as a system in place, everyone having that, um, I guess you can call it bullhorn, where, you know, politicians, corrupt governments, they have to watch themselves because now they can't just call up Twitter and say, take this down. And they'll look bad to say, oh, I'm going to take down this community front end. It's like, well, this community front end has built some wells here or it's built, you know, infrastructure here or, or the people really like this. Why, you know, they'll become unpopular. It's a game they're going to, it's a game of hoops they're going to have to jump through. And I think it's, it's just an important weapon. It's a tool, it's defense we can use as a people. And a lot of people could definitely benefit from having geographic tokenized communities. Yeah, Nonso Wright says here, I love that Hive is great at building, but how to, how we market these things is very important as well. We need to revive existing communities, improve word of mouth marketing, which has proven effective for many other projects, blockchains, with the right incentive. Well, this is what I like about these community front ends that are going to come out. You know, at that point, if you spin up your own community front end, it's your responsibility to market it as well, uh, if you so wish. Um, I think it's going to be a very interesting thing to see happen because it will be a working tool that you'll have. So you won't have to pitch any ideas to people to be able to market based on actual physical results that you, that you can see operating, which gives you a head, a, a, like a step, a foot up over anything else you would have done in the past in the digital world. Um it gives you an, a ready community, ready-made ability to distribute tokens and value, and a ready-made way to own your own platform without having to do any dev work or invest any money. Um, so I think that's going to be that's going to be a super cool recipe. And then it's a case of well, how do you market your own platform at that point? And we're going to have all these other platforms spun up and ready to to operate. And if people want Hive to succeed, they're going to have to go and market their own platform and figure out ways to do that. Yeah. I like skin in the game marketing. People, if you say, hey, come here, and they don't have any skin in the game, it's hard. But if you brute force network effects via, hey, we dropped everyone on Solana, for example, um, except maybe the centralized pre-mine that we can weed out. But just the community, the community at large, we dropped you something for free. Well, now they're incentivized to market it, right? Because they have something for free that can go up in value. And it's like, oh, this is cool because it comes with its own front end. We can upvote and downvote something. So it's not useless. It's not like it actually has a use case that we might find useful. And let's say one community out of 100 uses it and they really adopt it and they really start marketing it because they want their community points to go up in value. Why not? They have skin in the game. So I think skin in the game marketing is, it's humble marketing. It's like going up and beyond what you think you should, but just saying, well, I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to do what others refuse to do. So I think skin in the game marketing, brute forcing network effects is going to be huge with tokenized communities. Um, and the easier that becomes, 
you know, like Matt said, once you have a tokenized community, whether you made it or it was thrust upon you, you're going to start marketing it. I think, I think the other thing here as well is it's going to be such a cool tool. You know, we talked before about how to, how to um, cut out the centralizing pre-mine and VC stakes from a lot of these blockchains. Well, we kind of took that on our own shoulders initially, and we've been building the tools to do it ourselves. But in reality, what we're really building is a mechanism through which anyone can take that tool and go effectively free an existing community that has a pre-mine or an ICO and go do the equivalent of what Hive did to Steam to all these communities very easily, you know? And that that's going to be, I mean, in many ways, I'm almost more excited about other people taking that on for their own personal um, initiatives and, and things that they're passionate about rather than just me and Dan setting up a system whereby we drop to all these different blockchains from ourselves, you know? It would be way cooler if, yeah. like an individual member of the community just said, you know what, I'm going to run a platform, I'm going to drop to this blockchain and I'm going to exclude the pre-mine and I'm going to start marketing that to that community and see what they do with it. And when you say liberating blockchains or liberating communities, freeing communities, it's actually, so if I, if someone said you had to, you had no choice, you had to um, decentralize a centralized blockchain, right? I know no one person can decentralize anything, but you can attempt to. And the attempt would be Right, because if you look at Lido, Lido on um, Ethereum, what is that? It is a layer two token that lives on Ethereum, right? But it involves with staking, so it has now gotten control, right? And in the future, it's only going to continue to get control. And now Lido is going to be the governance of Ethereum. Let's just say, in that, let's just for argument's sake, let's just say that happens. Well, what does that mean? That means it has a layer two governance. So why couldn't we do the same thing with this community token? Why couldn't we go to a blockchain that's centralized, cut out the pre-mine? Now they not only have a solid network effect with no centralizing token, they have a marker system, a point system to represent that. But they also have a front end in which they can speak their mind and actually come to consensus on things without having to rely on Twitter, like Ethereum has for so many years. Um, they can actually have their own front end and rally around it. That's huge because now you can make governance decisions on the layer two that affect the layer one because all a community is at the end of the day is people. And if they can come together on a forum where stakeholders only can talk, that's huge. So I think there is actually a hat trick there where some of these chains, they're just basically smart contract chains with, with pre-mines. They made a couple of mistakes, but they can... You know, there's a way at least to govern them or give them a tool to where they can govern themselves in a better way without the centralizing force. So it's huge. Yep, exactly that. I think people are going to come to realize this as well through not just through theoretical discussions like this, but through actual practical implementation of this over the next few months. And I think it's going to be really, you know, my favorite outcome of this is if other people come to us and say, hey, how can I do this for this community? Right? How can I take that on and do it? myself and then we give you guys the tools to go do it yourself rather than me and dan saying hey we've just built this another front end that we've dropped tokens to the community go talk to that community you know i mean it's going to be really cool when other people come and say hey is it really this easy to use these tools and be like yeah it really is this easy you can set up your own community and i, I like the i like the phrase liberating blockchains <laughs> that's what it is you're going to be liberating other blockchains and people wonder why these things take so long because you just think 
tokenized community and i just picture in most people's mind there's just like a a big gallon with a hole and some fucking fat guy just slaps some duct tape on it and walks away and everything's fine they're just tokenized community it's easy right it's like man you have no idea you can either go the route of each token has its own decks if the multiple tokens on one decks you don't understand how overloading that becomes and that's crazy because these layer one smart contracts have way more than that shit so it just shows you how bloated they are and how unscalable they are. Because when you really try to do this from a community without millions of centralized funding to burn through, dude, Matic has like a $300 million bill every every year. Do you guys realize that shit? They got a fucking bill they got to pay. 300 mil BC back. They burning through the funds they raised on the ICO. And now they're talking about they running out of funds and shit. Like this thing, like these things are for real. So when we're building them, we're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like this obviously isn't going to work in practice. And then you're looking, okay, well, how do we get like a, because a, all Ethereum is at the end of the day, what people use it for is like a NASDAQ. I want my ticker on there so I can go flip it on some decks, right? That's where the liquidity is and not using it for its infrastructure in, in another sense. So if we can create a NASDAQ where just the tickers trade, Right. And then have the DEXs separate from that. Like, so you see the problem here. Like we we're doing this from a practical point of view. It's not just so easy. You know, so throw up a tokenized community. It's like, okay, well, how is it going to be scaled? How is this thing going to be actually community run? And when you really jam it into practice over and over and over again, you get to see why we're, you know, the solutions are being built. Um, and we're definitely, you know, like I said, everything we say sounds game dead. Like in, in theory, it sounds right. Like it sounds okay. That makes sense, which is important because if you talk about Ethereum in theory, it don't make sense at all. It makes zero sense. I don't understand how people go along with it. So it's important to actually make the theory make sense to yourself. So we're very close, you know, if you, with the combination of Honeycomb and BSC, I think that marriage is going to be able to make some highly decentralized DEXs with the ability to trade tokens frictionlessly. So that's you know where we're getting, um, not to mention the front ends and how to do the point systems and all these little things that people just take for granted in terms of how to get this thing working in practice. Years and years have gone into it though. And you know here we are 2024, fast forward, and uh, all these solutions are coming into play, so. Yeah, you know, I just wanna say importantly, we're going to be demonstrating this stuff. This is the key thing, you know. We, you know, this show is about demonstrating practical parallel economies. Well, that's what, get, what we, we're going to be doing. And then, you know, the inevitable questions are going to come. Oh, you guys just dropped us some value, but you're a centralized shitcoin. Like, uh, no, we're not. Yeah, but you got a CEO. No, we don't. You got an ICO. No, there's no ICO. In fact, we cut out the ICO supply from your drop because we want to free you. We want to liberate you. And then they'll come up with some answer like, why well, that's a bad idea, maybe. All right, drop your own token. You know? We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna be able to get to a point where we demonstrate this stuff practically in order to spark the conversation, spark the debate, and then we're gonna win the debate. You know? And then maybe people still don't like it, okay. <laughs> but go show me another system that does this. It just doesn't work. Uh, Taskmaster says, Who can use Ethereum for infrastructure? You will go broke. JP Morgan will use Ethereum for infrastructure and they won't go broke. But who wants to use a chain that JP Morgan's running? Right. If there's no alternative, everyone will. Yeah, if, if there's no alternative, everyone will. trading seashells and gold and fuck. What we're doing though, we're, we're building the alternative. Um, I want to give a shout out to IVB Tammy. We've got our first thumbnail competition entry. So we've given her a nice little upvote. 
She's got, if you can incentivize it, you can decentralize it, which was a quote of Taskmasters earlier in the show, which is nice, but give us give us some more um, parallel economies, demonstrating practical parallel economies in there as well. And if you can make it square, it would be very useful for our um, podcast thumbnails. And please bear in mind that the, the podcasts are difficult to see because they're small square thumbnails, so you need to have nice big text. Um, but appreciate that first entry. Anyone else that wants to enter the thumbnail competition, more than welcome. We'll be giving you some nice votes. Uh, IDK Samad says, wanted to try Lido once, but those fees on ETH changed my mind. Yeah, tell me about it. Yeah, it comes from Lido is a stem of um, unparametered coin voting. You're always going to have a staking pool at the end of the day. And the worst thing is the... Coin voting system was pre-mined, Ethereum, and then Lido had a pre-mine on the coin voting. So double pre-mine. Always the same mentality, man. How do I how do I fool my community into becoming my exit liquidity? <laughs> that's that's what it is. Which was which I guess was okay back in the day when everyone did it that way, but now you've got no excuse. There's no excuse to that. Yeah, I, you have projects with runway that need to have BC runs just to keep operating, and people think they're going to be centralized or decentralized one day. Um, the root awakening is going to happen sooner than later. Exactly. Um, Taskmaster said somewhere, oh yeah, Speak Network taking on Amazon Web Services. Yes, I think this is another realization that's going to come in is that we can build decentralized infrastructure incentivization systems that allow us to challenge the likes of AWS because that's effectively what AWS provides is massive, massively utilizable, um, high throughput, high scale infrastructure for, for various different digital products. But again, they're all centralized. So they can turn you off and they did turn, they turned um, Parler off. They just turned off the platform because they couldn't, because they were using, they were, had basically AWS embedded. Um, now, I may or may not agree with what Parler were doing, but this technology allows you to have your community members run the infrastructure and be incentivized for it. You know, that's what this technology really does at the core. And so that's what we're going to apply it for on Hive. And, and to some extent, I'm surprised that other communities haven't done that yet. Um, but again, you can't do it. You can't do it in a fair way if you have a pre-mine. So, um, yeah, it's a, a lot of dead end, dead end work there. But that's what we're going to prove. We're going to prove with these tokenized communities that your community can run its infrastructure. Your community can run backups of your content and be incentivized for it. Your community can have its own front end with very little technical input to set it up with zero cost. Um, it can have its own token. Um, it can do drops of value to existing communities. I mean, th these are like core key things that are coming out this year on Hive that will demonstrate the practical utility of Hive to everyone for everyone to see. If they don't like it, I'd be very interested in their reason and why they don't like it because, as far as I can tell, we win every single de question in the debate as well. In the theoretical debate, we win it all. So it's really difficult to to reject one of these communities when, they, when they're kind of thrust upon you. Um, but that, that's going to be very interesting to see, actually, Dan, whether, whether a lot of the existing cult followings just reject this technology because they're like, no, we don't want to touch it, it's a shit coin. It's like, well, okay, explain to me where it's a shit coin because once you start explaining to me, I'll be able to beat you hands down on every single point that you make. Um, 
I guess there's a certain approach that we need to have where we release the tokens in such a way that people like the way that we do it. So we're adding value to people. Um, yeah, skin in the game marketing. Skin in the game marketing, I like that. But I, I am kind of ready and pre-prepared and expecting the, the shitcoinery accusations, you know, which is going to be super annoying when they come. Yeah, they did their job well, that's for sure. They've, yeah, um, yeah, they've muddied the water where everyone thinks that anything outside of Bitcoin is a shitcoin. And I don't blame them because it's just crazy. Um, you think all of this is just organic VCs coming in. This is controlled demolition, man. They're pumping this money into random shitcoins, getting people to chase fires left and right, shiny things left and right. And they pump it with so much garbage that at the end of the day, you don't know up from down. And people get tired of it, and they're like, well, Bitcoin's easy. Just rally around Bitcoin. That's where you get these Bitcoin maximus who have unrealistic parameters because they live in a world where it's only Bitcoin. And if you do live in that world, then, yeah, you're going to have some funky ways of, you know, kind of coming to terms with things, right? Um, but, yeah, if you look at um, – there's been waves of censorship, right? And they come and they go – it seems like they, they, they clutch, they clutch, they clutch, and then they let go and they see what's still lounge, what's living, what's what's moving around. If you saw, you know, you couldn't say, you know, the C word, you know, COVID came out. And, um, there's a lot of lot of censorship around that. And then every, you know, every so often there's an important topic that's off limits and you can't, you can't talk about it. And if you notice, even three or four years ago, there was much more options for video than there are today. Uh, and the video options that are available today outside of three speak are incredibly centralized they've so we've gotten fewer options to go to speak our minds on video and the options have become more centralized so you think when that next thing comes when we can't talk about shit because there was something we've noticed when at the height of that when they had both hands around the throat of this species they had our freedom of speech in their hands and they were going full strength we had people like the doctor that came in and got hundreds of thousands of views. They found us because we were one of the only options, literally one of the only options. And he had Odyssey, but Odyssey went down. They didn't, they didn't have the, uh, the scalability in mind. So next time this happens, you know, three speakers just been chugging along. It might have its problems here and there, but we're just chugging along, chugging along, chugging along. We're here if you need us, right? We're the, definitely that bullhorn you could put up and speak at any time and did we become more decentralized or more centralized we've only become more decentralized not only that we've gained theoretically solved one of the biggest problems which is storage of large data we did all of that during a bear market while being overlooked while all these other centralized platforms people oh decentralization freedom of speech come to rumble it sounds it's like it's like you're living in a cartoon land or um I don't know. It's like they're trying to get you to accept a lie. It's like they can just say the most audacious things, and if you agree with it, well, then what else can they get away with? So uh, I think 2024 is going to be another word that we're not allowed to say. And, yeah, you have Twitter, and I look at Twitter as the big-ass fucking golden cage. It's there. It's practical. I know exactly what's going to happen. People are going to flock to it, and once it's gained the most power, it's going to do the same goddamn thing, and it's going to close the gate. And everyone's going to be locked in. And they're hoping there's no parallel. There's no parallel place they can go because they put all their eggs in the Twitter basket. When everything else was centralizing and censoring, they put it in the rumble and Twitter basket. And they're going to close the fucking gauges. And by that time, people are going to be too tired, too exhausted, too corrupt, too willing to just roll over to start over again. 
right? So it's very important right now to, um, it's going to come. There's going to be another word we're not allowed to say, and you're going to see him try to go for the throat again, and that's when we're going to have to just thrust it up and say, here we are. I, I think one of the th- things that's cool about this is that of the few remaining so-called free speech platforms that are left over, yeah, they might provide free speech right now, but they're still centralized, and they're still going to have a lot of pressure put on them to to capitulate. Well, isn't it going to be the case that Hive and Three Speak are the only places places left? Like you're going to have to use them whether you like it or not. <laughs> in some ways, well, I, I hope it doesn't come to that. I hope people come more voluntarily. But in in some ways, it's like we we've got our we're putting our time and effort into this horse because it's ultimately the only one. We don't see another one out there that allows us to have censorship resistance in the way that it's provided on on, on Speak Network and Hive and 3Speak and other platforms that are built on Hive. So eventually people are going to have to come. Uh, unless, on the flip side, um, platforms like Rumble integrate Speak Network so that they can decentralize their infrastructure and let their community operate it. Or unless co- platforms like Rumble integrate Hive accounts so that they have truly decentralized um, digital IDs that can't be censored by centralized entities. You know, maybe maybe that's the flip side is that other platforms start integrating this technology, um, and I, th- I think this is going to be an interesting thing to see, an interesting story to see unfold. Because as we do, as we release these community um, breakaway community platforms with their own tokenized governance systems that don't have ICOs, pre mines, and CEOs, and don't give the content creator any tokens from day one, and those t- those content creators have to earn their tokens. It's going to be, you know, the debate's going to have to happen. It's going to force the debate because someone's going to say this is a shit coin and someone else is going to be like, um, well, how? How is it a shit coin? You know, it, it ticks all the boxes that Bitcoin ever ticks and it's zero free time transactions. Um, and some people are going to have their, you know, ideological reasons why they don't want to use this tech, but it's going to be really hard to say it's not done correctly. At which point, it's going to be really hard for the existing platforms that don't use much crypto, such as Rumble, to be able to say, well, trust us, we run the infrastructure, you're, you're going to just trust us, right? It's like, well, no, over here, there's actually a solution that allows your community members to run the infrastructure, and now we really can trust you, right? And I think breakaway communities and tech such as that are going to be able to force the debate and prove prove the debate, you know, prove that we, we're, we're talking about the right things over here and we're doing this right. And, I mean, maybe, you know, I've always said this, maybe it's not Hive that ends up being the the result but hive certainly will demonstrate how to do it properly um and yeah maybe these platforms start integrating technology like this let's see yeah you always build on top of censorship resistance instead of trying to start it on your own um we were lucky enough to have hive really as a black swan their plan was going perfectly they had control of everything Um, and hive really just throws a fucking monkey wrench in their chain so We've been building relentlessly on and off, on and off, on and off for so long. We've weathered so many bears in so many seasons, and we've seen so many different promises come and go. While our message, if you listen to one of our first CTT episodes, you wouldn't know it was the first. We have the same damn message. It's been consistent. We spotted the problem so long ago. And I would say we, I say us as a hive community, everybody that forked over from the centralizing pre-mine um, everyone that had the same ideologies that could not be bought, we all see and saw the same thing, whether it's different perspectives. But we all know that it, what we're doing is important for various reasons, but it's important to a lot of people. Um, 
So here we are, 2024, what is it, seven, seven years on this protocol now? Um, and every step of the way, we've just molded it, man, molded under fire, molded under the pressure of no VC funding, being able to scale our way out of a hole. Used to have fat nodes. The nodes used to be so much more expensive. You remember fucking Steaming Inc. bitching about the bills they had to pay millions of dollars every year? God, how far have we come? Like, we've come so far from that moment to be able to be where we are today. Um, yeah, it's exciting. A lot of solutions are going to be coming this year, and we're going to be at least offering people a way to tokenize their communities and have free speech. Let the chips fall where they may. Yeah, I've just seen a few new people join the room that I know haven't heard what we said, but I just want to repeat very briefly. 2024 is the year where normal people are going to be able to spin up their own platforms and tokenize them and distribute value to their community and let their community run the infrastructure so that we have no influence over whether or not you can run that platform. You know, it's going to be your platform and your community's platform. And no one's going to be able to shut you down. No one's going to be able to say anything about it. And you're going to be able to have your own economy. Um, it's taken us. It's taken a long time to get here, but the vision's been the same for years now, and we're we're finally in the year now where we're actually going to demonstrate this practically. And so, yeah, keep keep an ear close to this space because things are coming fast, and it's going to be so it's going to be so crazy, in my opinion. And it's going to be a new paradigm because when people realise they can run their own platforms with no technical skills at zero cost, but, but no, that's not correct. There is a server cost, but that server's like five dollars a month. Um. It's paradigm changing, I think, you know. It's like having your own hive in your own hands, but it's your community's hive rather than having to run the hive community. So yeah. Let's let's part that part of the discussion. Let's move on to another one here. Um, we talked a little bit about this before, but I like the way Tass rephrasing it here. Uh, he says Facebook, Instagram will join Google enabling Bitcoin ETF ads. And then his comment is the hijacking of Bitcoin is underway. I mean, if that doesn't mean that Bitcoin hasn't been hijacked, because as we all remember, at the top of the Steam market back in 2018, that's what, that was the same day that they banned crypto ads on Facebook and Instagram and everywhere like that. So now they're re-enabling ads for what? For the Bitcoin ETF. Oh, what a shocker. <laughs> Get your Bitcoin into our custodial Bitcoin so you don't have non-custodial Bitcoin. So you don't own your own Bitcoin and we hold all the Bitcoin, right? That's, and that's the way we want it. You know, high Bitcoin fees on the base layer. All your Bitcoin is custodial with us. All your Bitcoin is safely with us. <laughs> oh, doesn't it just defeat everything that Bitcoin was ever supposed to be? I guess it's inevitable, though. You know, we, we you know, in many ways, we want the same thing on Hive. We want big institutions using HBD. Um, maybe some people in this room disagree with that. I know, I know specifically one will. But, you know, I see... That is the, the beauty of Hive is that we can have big institutions holding a lot of HBD on the base layer and using the Hive financial network to um, use bonds to collateralize loans and make speculative investments as they do with the euro dollar system at the moment, but just more transparently with much lower interest rates because it will be transparent. Um, that's kind of inevitable. It's going to happen on Hive whether people like it or not. Um, but the beauty of Hive is that if those accounts switch across and start powering up, the community can see it and react to it because we've got the one-month delay on the base layer, the governance. You can't really do that with Bitcoin. You know, they, they, They're going to pump the fees high, they're going to KYC layer, layer 2, and they're going to operate layer 2 really cheap. It'll be the JP Morgan infrastructure you'll be using.
to transact on the Lightning Network uh, with a nice KYC on there. Well, that isn't going to be possible, no matter who you are or where you're from. Even if you're a big institution that's holding a lot of HBD, you're just not going to be able to get people to KYC. Um, so I, I, I think it works from all angles, you know. I think it works from all angles. I'm really excited about how I can work scan. Yeah, most, most Bitcoin is going to live off-chain. Um, and it's going to stay off chain. It's never going to be completely on chain because the fees are going to be prohibitive. And then the base layer of Bitcoin is just going to be a settlement layer for the elites. So that means you're going to have Lightning Network Bitcoin. You'll have BSC Bitcoin. You might have some other patches of communities that create their own version. But for the most part, you're going to want to get as much Bitcoin onto these layers as possible. Um, I wouldn't change a thing about Bitcoin. I, you know, it's become... I wouldn't say it's centralized. It's an elite coin. It's going to be for the elites to settle. The base layer is going to be prohibitive for most people, but at least we can attach onto it and create a parallel economy without, you know, you couldn't do it. I couldn't go put a bridge on the side of Chase Bank and do dollars, but I can with Bitcoin. I don't need to ask for permission and we can then get that Bitcoin onto a fee-less layer and Bitcoin will then sell, right? Because Bitcoin's always liquid. As long as you can cash it out, you might have to pay a fee, but... Like I said, most people are just going to, it's going to become an IOU system. No one's, everyone's just going to agree not to cash out because it doesn't make any sense. And it'll take the Lightning Network Bitcoin or the VSC Bitcoin um, based on the Bitcoin value, right? You'll be able to spend your Lightning Network Bitcoin anywhere you want. And as long as you can cash out your BSC Bitcoin to a Lightning Network Bitcoin with ease, you have no problem. People accept the BSC Bitcoin. And that will be our fiat. Look at Bitcoin as fiat for Hive. We don't need a bank. We don't need a Coinbase. We don't need a centralized exchange. We just need fee-less Bitcoin and a DEX. That's it. That's all we need. Once you got your Bitcoin, you go cash out to any fiat you want in the world. Lightning Network is going to dominate. It's going to take over every aspect. Every business is going to have Lightning Network incorporated. And you're going to be able to cash that out from your little app, a thousand apps, no problem to any currency in the world. Next five years, that's guaranteed, in my opinion. And as long as we have a way to attach to the Lightning Network, V for V, shout out to Brian of London. He's been working tirelessly on this. Very important for the future of Hive and, and um, Voltec, VSC, to be able to have this bridge from what I would call decentralized Bitcoin on VSC to centralized Bitcoin on the Lightning Network. But if you're going to fiat, you don't care about the centralization aspect, do you? You just want to cash out the fiat. And the other thing there that's worth noting is that that is Hive's protection because it doesn't matter where we get delisted from at that point. You know, once the system figures out they can't shut HBD down, I predict that there's going to be multiple delistings from different exchanges because um, Hive will be a threat, you know. No, you can't. It's a KYC. It's a non-KYCable stable coin that you can't regulate. What? It's like, yeah. And they're like, oh, get it off the exchanges. Remove the liquidity. Well, our goal then is, and this is the beauty of this system, you need to provide HBD as collateral to your bridge if you're providing a bridge from Bitcoin to Hive, right? So that's that, That's basically you saying, hey, if I fuck around, if there's a rug pull here, the people using my bridge get to have my HBD. And it, the HBD is worth more than the Bitcoin that's on the bridge, right? So the, the infrastructure operators are staking their own money to say, hey, you can trust me. That system's built into smart contracts on VSC. But what it means is that they then have the right to, to operate the bridges, and those bridges take fees. So every time you move Bitcoin from um, Bitcoin to Hive Bitcoin, or from Hive Bitcoin back to normal Bitcoin, the bridge operator will take a fee. 
So they'll be able to earn the staked HBD that they stake at 20% APR, which is a current rate, plus whatever fees they make for the bridges. And if there's no bridges operating or one bridge operating, they're going to get all the fees. So they're going to be making like 30 40% on a year on top of their HBD, which is 20%. And the more people that bring, that bring bridge infrastructure, the, the lower the fees are going to be, obviously. So there'll be a nice market balance there at some point. But I've got a mind, and I don't know if I'm going to do this. This certainly isn't financial advice. Don't do this because I'm saying it. And I, I like to think that most people don't do things that I say. <laughs> um, but I've got a mind to just like leverage everything I've got, get as, get my hands on as much HBD as possible and as much Bitcoin as possible and put them onto these bridges so that we have liquid bridges going across to bring as much Bitcoin from the Bitcoin ecosystem to the high Bitcoin ecosystem where there's zero fees. Because at some point, I think it's inevitable that the exchange is going to start delisting Hive. When they realize that they can't shut it down, it's a non-KYCable stablecoin, they're going to have to take action. And that's the most obvious route of action to remove liquidity. Well, we've got a certain amount of time before that happens to bring as much liquidity via these VSC Bitcoin bridge as possible. So as a community, we should be doing everything that we can to put, to put liquidity onto that bridge so that when the inevitable delisting of Hive happens, we're just like, we really don't care. We've got all the liquidity we need here on the Bitcoin bridges that we use. The infrastructure operators are paid. They get a 20% APR on the HBD that they put on, stake onto the bridge. They make the fees on the bridge crossings. We're fine. We're over here. We've got incentivized bridges. No one can stop that from happening. And I can move you know, as much Bitcoin as I ever moved on Binance in one transaction on the Hive bridges, on the VSC bridges, as what I used to move on Binance. Well, once we get to that point, we really don't care. We really don't care if we get delisted or not. And and that to me is a big security issue that Hive has and, and this this system is going to solve it. If the liquidity comes onto the bridges that is. Yeah, I mean when we say we live in the worst case scenario and prepare for that, what would we be doing as a Hive community if we got delisted off of all centralized exchanges? What would be our primary focus as a community? It would be to build a decentralized way to Bitcoin. That's it, right? Because we can only control what we can control. We cannot control centralized exchanges listing us. But we can control a decentralized bridge that we build to Bitcoin. So it's urgent, right? Any proposal that had anything to do with DEXs would automatically get funded and be boosted all the way to the top because it would be a great need. But people don't react until they smell the fire. That's why the main goal for Hive right now. And we should focus on goals one at a time. You have a main focus. You can say this is our top priority. If you look, take a step back at Hive from a security point of view, this is our main focus. We rely too heavily on centralized exchanges, period. You can put your head in the sand or you can realize the problem and do something about it. And the great thing about it is the technology is there. We're building it. And we even have people who are willing to fund and add liquidity at the beginning. So... Again, we are close to another solution. It is being built, but it should be more urgent as a community. We should be banging the bell and saying, hey, let's support. Let's do everything we can. Let's you know, throw everything we can at it and make sure it gets done. Don't wait till the Binance delisting. Don't wait until these centralized exchanges delist you. Why would you wait? Make it to where if it happens, you don't even notice it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Frida says we don't need a bank interesting we, you know this is a realization that's really important we really have built a, a parallel economy here with HBD and I think once these um, breakaway communities 
dedicated to local jurisdictions start to take hold and people can demonstrate on these breakaway communities that they are purchasing local goods in HBD that they've done the work to implement. And it's really easy to do through V for V app anyway. All you've got to do is get teach the retailer, teach the coffee man how to just type in V for V app on his URL browser. He doesn't even need to download an app. And it's all there for him to use. Um, then you can pay for your coffee, film it, film the QR code being scanned. And people like me and Dan, you post it to spend, hashtag spend HBD. And you can see, you can go there right now, hashtag spend HBD on Hive. And you can see all these people getting more money back in upvotes for what they spent on their coffee or their local shopping because they're demonstrating that HBD can be spent. That is a parallel economy. And because that coin can't be KYC'd, and because it operates all over the world, and because it's a stake, it's a <clears throat> stake-weighted voting token that is in so many different countries. I mean, you try shutting that down. I just don't see it happening. So we have built uh, a parallel economy in which you don't need a bank. And once we have that Bitcoin bridge, we always have a liquidity pool back to the token that will be, you know, convertible into fiat if you want to go use fiat bridges. Um, so we don't need a centralized exchange at that point. Um, so it's going to be super. Again, another really interesting part of 2024 that's coming very, very fast. I'm really excited about. Um, RDK Sam has just made a really interesting observation. He says, I just realized Speak Network comes in deep in decentralized physical infrastructure networks narrative. It's a new narrative taking hype this year. Yeah, I mean... <sighs> This is this is it's a real narrative that people are starting to pick up on. Wait, it, what? Did, what did he call that? He calls it DPIN, decentralized physical infrastructure networks. Decentralized DPIN. At least DPIN sounds kind of cool, I guess. Yeah, they're it's, really it's, good at coming up with the narrative name, you know. Yeah, <laughs> but when it comes yeah. to the actual narrative, <laughs> right, right, right. So, so DPIN is quite an interesting narrative name, but. And the whole point is you're starting to see people set up networks where they can deliver physical infrastructure or run stuff on a on a really lightweight node that they run off their home computer or off some other really, really lightweight system and then incentivize the operation of that. Well, I think on Speak Network, it goes further because you're actually doing an activity. You're actually providing a content delivery system or you're actually providing an encoder system or you're actually providing storage. But again, it's done on your own physical infrastructure. And we've made that co um, cookie cutter so that anyone can easily download and run that software without having very much technical expertise. You, the whole encoder system just runs because you've run the infrastructure. The whole storage system just runs because you've run the, the storage infrastructure. You don't need to have any more expertise than that. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting to see it take hold. And, I mean, it's interesting as well because we haven't really gone crazy about Speak Network. We haven't marketed it, certainly. Tokens are being distributed on a very, very small, small scale, such that when the, the ecosystem ramps up and, and the testnet's completed, that's when the real um, inflation distribution is going to start. So it means that early adopters don't really get as much advantage as what they would have done in previous tech, but they still get some advantage in that they can have the vote wait initially to, ch to choose who the critical infrastructure operators are. Um, but yeah, the deep. This is I see this happening on Hive so much, where a narrative comes and goes, you know. And Hive was already doing it years before. So like de decentralized social came and went, and Hive was doing it before decentralized social was around, and after decentralized social, decentralized social is gone. Um, 
this deep this deep in will probably be a similar thing, I imagine. You know? All signs were on the right path. All signs were on the right path, that is for sure. But nice comment, nice observation, IDK Samad. We'll certainly be keeping an eye out for that for that narrative going forwards. Um, one more comment from ID, IBB Tammy says, yeah, I did see a lot of people using HBD to buy different things, and it's super cool, HBD to the world. I think that's because she's looking at the spend HBD tag. Um, if any of you have got a way to spend lightning in your local area in a coffee shop or in a shop or something you can use v for v to pay with hbd so you can pay your lightning invoices with hbd stable coin um, anywhere in the world that there's a lightning ability to pay in lightning so that's, this is the other thing i think is really cool that hive's going to piggyback on the, the explosion of lightning and the bitcoin utility side of things although having said that as bitcoin becomes an elite coin it's not going to be in as many people's hands as it, as I think we once thought it would be. So maybe spending Bitcoin using Lightning isn't going to be as easy, and spending HBD using Lightning, Lightning isn't going to be as easy as we thought because it's not going to be as widely accepted. But we'll we'll see. We'll see how that goes. So, you have, uh, I think you're going to have a stable coin on a centralized stable coin on Lightning Network, or um, I mean, there'll be some centralized layer too on Bitcoin. But I think Lightning Network because li the li liquid layer run by uh, a lot of the core devs, Adam Beck. Um, didn't really take off. Um, so Lightning Network really is starting to take off. If you talk to people in certain countries, like it's big. And it does have a use case. It's just centralized. It's going to end up in the central, um, in big companies' hands. But as you said, you can, you know, go from Hive Bitcoin to Lightning Network Bitcoin without a middleman, without a KYC. Once you're on the Lightning Network, you know, it's up to you and who you're trusting, who you're cashing out to, right? That's like the game you're playing. But when you're playing Hive Bitcoin, you know you're good. You know, it's not going to be seized or taken from you or frozen, which can happen on the Lightning Network because you're trusting the node. That node goes offline, you lose your money, right? So unless you run your own Lightning Network node, but we already know that most people aren't going to do that or aren't even capable of doing that. The, the, the other thing that's cool about that is that once we've got Hive Bitcoin or H Bitcoin up and running, I know Brian of London's already working on a way to allow people to spend H Bitcoin directly through V for V to pay Lightning invoices on the Bitcoin network. So what does that mean? It means that your payments on the Lightning network will come through Brian's node, but he's got no way to tie that node back to you. So it means your spending on the Bitcoin network is going to be anonymous. And then the other cool thing that's going to happen, and we should always keep pressure on Brian for this, he's, the problem with open source code is this. You, you build your prototype and it's spaghetti code, right? It, you wouldn't ever want anyone to see it, but everyone just knows it works. So you're like, oh, okay, the thing's working. But no one's going to see this code because it's going to make me look like a terrible dev, right? So we, we're certainly in that position with Freespeak at the moment, although we have almost finished the refactor and we're going to be open sourcing all of that soon. So anyone can run their own 3Speed platform without having to do any dev work. Um, well, it's the same thing with V4V at the moment. Brian is refactoring the code, but I don't think he's that comfortable to make it public in terms of being able to run your own node. But that is going to happen, especially if the community kind of holds him to account on that. And once that happens, what it means is that there's going to be multiple, hopefully dozens of different V4V nodes operating on the Lightning Network so that we're not all going through Brian, but we're going through any number of these, and there'll be some kind of random allocation somehow 
where it randomly gets you through uh, nodes. There's no like preference. Um, that is that is going to be so powerful to this whole thing, because then it means you really will have anonymous spending on the Bitcoin side, and you won't be relying on one node. You'll be relying on the whole network of people running these V4V infrastructure nodes. So that's going to be super, super powerful when it comes. I just want to talk about running infrastructure. I've seen Task make multiple comments here. Um, Task is running with his town hall witness. Um, seems to be running multiple different pieces of infrastructure on Hive. So looks like he's running a VSC node. I think he's running a speak node. Um, I say he. There's, I know there's multiple people behind the town hall witness. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, I want to give a shout out to those guys because they're dedicated to running infrastructure on Hive. And the, I think they'll probably testify to the fact that it's not as complicated to run infrastructure as you might think it is. Um, and networks like the Speak Network will sort of certainly make it easy for any of you guys to get involved in running, just just even if it's storage infrastructure. You know, that's the most simple version of infrastructure. But the more people in infrastructure we have, the more rewards we're going to be able to distribute, and the more stable and, and decentralized and reliable the, the whole Hive and Speak Network ecosystem is going to be. So yeah, shout out to people in infrastructure. Any more comments? Been a good two hours. This is anything else you want to talk about? Yeah, Tass just mentioned um, once you have HBTC, HLTC is easy. Yeah, I know that's a, definitely um, something the team's working on. Once they've got H Bitcoin running, they'll almost certainly have H Litecoin fairly short and short order after because it's very similar tech and it's very easy to implement. Actually, once you've got one of these things done, you can, you know, I imagine they'll have H Ethereum at some point and then from that follows on all of the layer twos on Ethereum fairly easily. There's a big opportunity for liquidity in this ecosystem. And then if you imagine, you know, what you're really looking at then, what's the next step then? It's, it's fearless DeFi. You know, that's going to be the selling point. It's like, yeah, we've got fearless DeFi over here. Um, fearless smart contracts and fearless DeFi. Yeah, you just target the layer twos. Um, you go where you think is going to happen. We believe the fees on Bitcoin are only going to get higher or if Bitcoin fails. So we're going to go ahead and bet on it and say, well, we're going to go to Lightning Network. That's going to be where we bridge to. And then the same with Ethereum. You can go to an Ethereum layer two, the dominant layer two that has no fees. You cash out to that. Once you're on that chain, it's easy to get back into Ethereum or whatever else you need. So that's sort of what we're looking at. We're not looking at, um, oh, how do we bridge to the main chain? It's like, we don't care if you bridge out because most of the time, if you are cashing out, you're cashing out into that ecosystem anyway. And you're, you know, you're cashing out the fiat or whatever. So you don't even care if the layer you get on is centralized as long as the fees are low. That's what the majority of people care about. So um, if you look at more of Ethereum for the altcoins and um, people wanting to speculate and get on that chain on the layer two there, we'll have a bridge. But then the main focus for cashing out would be Lightning Network, in my opinion, going to Bitcoin. I think Lightning Network is just going to be accepted in a lot of places and we can piggyback right off of the success as people say, hey, well, I can actually earn and then, you know, transfer that over the lightning that makes it real a lot of people look at a crypto and they think oh it's not like they don't think it's real they think like it's not like you hear bitcoin they know they can cash that out um so once that triggers you know people be like oh wow and then once you use hive just a few times you're gonna realize how much better it is um, so there's definitely a good ploy there to ride the lightning network wave or any layer two on ethereum as well yeah i really like the idea of um you know, it feels as though this is a victory lap of the of the system. You know, taking over Bitcoin, having the Bitcoin ETF, 
it's going to become more and more of an elite coin. But it will, as a result, always have that liquidity exit. And then they're making it that way. That there's going to be the liquidity exit there, back to the fiat universe. And it's just like, yeah, thanks very much for that. Thank you. you know, okay, yeah, you, you kind of, you're hiking the fees on the base layer. It's not, it's not going to be the poor man's coin like we thought it was going to be. But it's going to be the poor man's liquidity exit because the technology we've built on Hive makes it that way, you know? And I, I just, I really like that. I really like the, it's almost an irony. <laughs> like, yeah, we're going to use your subverted system against you. And we're going to keep our KYC stablecoin operating where we don't have, sorry, that's the KYC, non-KYC stablecoin operating. And if people so choose to use your KYC layer to get out, then they can. And there's nothing that you can do to stop us from doing that. You know, but in the meantime, people can keep their anonymity by using pseudo-anonymous Hive accounts to move their stablecoin around at, at zero fees, lightning fast, and paying for things with it. I just think that's a beautiful symbiosis and a beautiful irony. Yeah, it's a needed stepping stone because without any kind of way to exit into the fiat world, they have you, they, they have you trapped. You can't, you, you can't just poof a parallel economy out of existence, out of nothing, it's a, it's, a, it's almost a vampire attack. You're, you're sucking out of one economy to the other because one economy has gone bad and the other economy has proven better. So if you look at Lightning Network and Bitcoin, it's just done all the work for us. It infiltrated all the banks. It's gotten to all the currencies. And they can't say no because it's trustless on that layer. Um, once you have it, then yeah, you, you cash out to you. You're, you're risking centralization. But off of it, you're good. And we don't have to ask for permission. So it's a necessary stepping stone. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I saw someone, I can't remember who it was, because Inleo seems to be having a problem with the CTT podcast at the moment. But someone was mentioning, uh, where do I read more about this? I think they were talking about the Speak Network. Um, so I've posted the link tree to the Speak Network um, in our Twitter so if you go to the Twitter space, you'll see in the comments there, there's a, a Speak Network link tree where basically every um, important article that we've written or important instruction on how to use it that we've written in the past is pinned to that link tree in a certain order that you can go through it. Uh, and, you know, you read a good chunk of the articles on there and you'll be very up to speed with what the Speak Network is and how it works and how to get involved with it. Um, I'll also post the link tree to um, Proof of Access because that's also a very important part of this proof of access. Proof of access is the algorithm that, that we use to reward people for storing content on the Speak Network. Um, so that's also going to be a very interesting read for people who are interested. I'll put that down in one second. Yeah, so that's going to go on the um, on the Twitter space in the comments. And where is it? It's there. So you should be able to get that as well if you want to do any further reading. And also every time we release like an instruction that tells you how to set up infrastructure or an instruction that tells you how to get involved with the test net, which is coming very, very soon, um, then we'll, we'll update those link trees so that you, you have the latest information on there and you can keep going back there if you need to refer to it. All right. Well, I mean, I could I could really keep this going to be fair, but I feel like we should probably call it call it quits there, um, and just say happy new year, everyone. Sorry, we're a bit late and we've had a bit of a hiatus, um, but we're back, and 
hold us to account on this, we will be setting up parallel economies. We will be using breakaway communities to do that. We will be incentivizing people to just to spend HBD in local stores uh, and record evidence of the fact that they're doing that and using the QR code scanning systems on V4V. Um, and we, you know, at some point later on in the year, we will be distributing tokens of, of, to to those um, to those platforms so that these communities have their own tokens. And I think that's going to be a massive thing. Oh, there was one other thing. Oh, I can't read it right now. Um, I'd be interested in your. Um, we've, we spoke about this at length in the past, but maybe it's good to, to reach up to it. Dylan Hobart was uh, who is um, Metal Grow. I think his name is Metal Grow. Yeah, on on Twitter. He was just mentioning in the thread that TLVA, is it TLVA Vagabond or TLV, the last American, TLA Vagabond or something. He was, he's a very interesting content creator, been a long-term steaming and hiving. And he's now saying that he's being censored on Hive. And, I mean, Dan and I, we, we're obviously very, we're very frustrated with this situation with the downvotes on Hive and how many very influential, influential influences it's pushed off. Um, I mean, my comment on it is, is that part part of it is because of the way we sell Steam and sold Steam and like the way we sell Hive of come blog post and earn. Um, I think that should be a secondary sales point. I think the main sales point should be the fact that you have digital sovereignty and digital human rights here, and then if you do earn something, it's a bonus. But the the solution, you know, like the you know, it's good and it's bad. And if you look at the work that Eurosol's done, it very clearly shows on, I think the website's called Hive Alive, I think it's called. You can go and see all the downvoting there that happens. And you can see that 80% of downvoting is legitimate. You know, there's a legitimate reason for people downvoting people. But there's a good 20% there that's like people at war with each other and people abusing the downvoting system. And it's pushed off a good number of very good influences from Hive. And it's very sad to see um, but Dan and I have never really waded into countering downvotes too much because we feel that building positive stuff, building useful tools, eventually wins out. And I genuinely believe that the answer for TLVA, Vagabond, who thinks he's being censored on Hive, well, yeah, you, you're being censored on the main front ends because their algorithms are very simple and their algorithms just show content that's voted with Hive. So you, you're really being censored by their algorithm. You're not being censored by Hive. Their algorithms, maybe they should work on their algorithms a bit more. Maybe that's the pressure that you should put on to the, the main front ends. You know, maybe they should be a little bit more complicated than just how much Hive is on a blog, right? Well, the beauty of, the beauty of where we're going on Hive is because you're going to have these layer two platforms, these breakaway community platforms with their own tokens, well, maybe the community can choose not to not to distribute tokens to the people who are famous for downvoting, abusing the downvote on Hive, right? Maybe that's what you do. Maybe that's how you combat this. And then you can't be downvoted by these people. Maybe you make your layer two tokens so good, your economy and your community there so good, because that's what this gives you the opportunity to do. That you have so you know you have so much value flowing into the community. Now you can go and buy Hive, go buy the layer one, right? And then tell me you're being censored because your community is so good and you created so much attention online that you have extra surplus that you can now use that token to go buy the layer one with, right? 
that's how you combat this. And ultimately, eventually, some changes will be made to make the downvoting system more nuanced, I think. But once you can earn on layer two and you can set up your own layer two communities and economies, you can buy the layer one, you know? And I think that's one of the solutions here. You can also distribute the layer two token in such a way that you make sure you cut out those people that are abusing the layer one if you so if you feel so strongly about it. Well then who's going to downvote you on the layer two? You know? You keep building solutions like that and eventually you make the layer two the layer one downvoting situation meaningless, right? Another thing that we're going to put in on these communities is the ability to subscribe to content the ability to subscribe to content creators, the ability to tip them, so that over time, I'm not saying this is going to happen straight away, but over time, the amount of rewards that you earn on your Hive Layer 1 upvote for your content is going to be, say, 20% of the rewards that you earn generally around the ecosystem because of donations, because of um, subscriptions, because of um, Layer 2 content rewards, content token rewards. So... We just keep building these tools. And over time, you're not really going to care if you get downvoted on the layer one or not. It's going to mean almost nothing to you. And then you can't say that you've been censored on Hive. You follow? Especially if you're putting some energy into your layer two token so that it's strong enough that you can buy Hive. And now who's going to downvote you? You know? So that's our answer to it. We've gone over it many times before. But um, I feel there's still people being pushed off Hive and they don't understand this. They don't understand this argument. They, Their whole soul and heart is poured into earning Hive rewards and blogging and putting loads of effort into their blogging so they can earn Hive rewards. And then when they get downvoted, they get disillusioned and they leave. But no one explains this situation to them. No one sits them down and says, hey, do you realize the tools being built on Hive will mean that your layer one downvote is basically meaningless and you're going to be able to buy the layer one with your layer two token if you're that good, right? You're going to be able to get subscriptions. You're going to be able to earn from donations. You're going to be able to earn from layer two tokens. To the point where your Hive layer one token isn't going to mean that much anyway. Why are you leaving then? So why are you leaving? You know? Why are you going around saying that you're being censored on Hive when really you're not? You're just being censored on algorithms that don't have very complex trending algorithms. Right? On three speak, you're not censored because our algorithm doesn't work like that. Our algorithm works on views and comments doesn't care how many downvotes you've had. You're still on trending, right? And as time goes on, these front ends that are being built out, they're all going to have their own trending feeds. There's going to be more and more customized trending feeds built so that the downvotes mean nothing, if that's what you feel is important, you know? So it's a frustrating argument. It's frustrating to watch people get frustrated and leave and say Hive's a censorship mechanism when it isn't. It's the front ends that have got really basic trending algorithms that should be held to account that are not. And so people leave. I, my answer to that is put more pressure on the, on, the, on the front ends to get better trending algorithms so that you're not censored. On yeah. the front, you're never censored on Hive. You're never, ever censored on Hive. That's the key thing. Your account is still there. Your content's still there. And when you can put that content onto your own front end where you can't be censored, well, now you're not being censored, are you? And that's coming. Yeah, you said it well. I agree. Um, there's also tweaks you can do in the downvoting um, I don't think it's a main priority right now I think there's other things that we need to focus on but uh, I don't believe the 
uh, what you would call proof of brain, the cause incentivized stakeholder distribution, whatever you want to call it. Um, I think it's about 50% done. I think we've got about halfway there. We've solved an incredible problem, which is how do you distribute something without somebody only distributing it to themselves? Um, the first couple of years, or I'd say two or three years into the existence of the protocol, we had uh, it broke. It was a broken protocol because people would just self-vote and there was no um, no way to practically counter it because it, it was an opportunity cost to do so. People weren't incentivized to. So we, we learned a lot about how this voting algorithm works just by running it through practice and seeing human nature. Um, just by offering a free alternative to downvotes, we actually have downvotes now because people used to not downvote. People would just sell. You had somebody call hygiene and they just upvote. Um, spam 10 times a day at 100% and no one would counter it because it would cost them money to do so basically. Introducing free downvotes only that little tweak eliminated bid bots and self-voting overnight for the most part. I'd say 99% of it. Um, and now yeah you still have the problem with heavy-handed downvotes now right like it's like there's there's some tweaks we can do there as well but as that was saying don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. understand the protocol what it does layer two communities being able to counter in a lot of different ways. And you can create your own sort of out, upvote, downvote algorithm on your layer two as well, experiment. But I do believe there needs to be some future changes inevitably to the downvoting on Hive. Um, I've talked about it because we've talked about it extensively before. I don't want to get into it now, but there's definitely some tweaks and parameters we can add. Just as we added the free downvote, there's a little bit of tweaks in there. We can get in there and, um, add some incentivization, and I think that we can solve it, uh, or at least make it a lot better. It's not gonna be completely solved. Some crabs will always get out of the bucket, but we'll be able for the most part. And I think we're in a good place now, right? But I think it can be better. Yeah, I mean, I just wanna reiterate, you know, you're not being censored on Hive. You might be being censored on some of the front ends because they only show content that's got Hive on it. But you're not being censored on 3Speak. I know that for a fact. Because 3Speak just trends based on views and comments and interactions. It doesn't trend at all based on how much Hive is on your blog. right? And as time goes on, there's going to be more and more front ends, maybe even your own front end that you can spin up easily where you can customize your own trending feed. You know? Yeah, you could argue that a couple of the front ends that are popular on Hive they're not really showing you content. I wouldn't say they're censoring you, but they're not showing you content. But Hive's still got all your content on it, man. And Hive is not to, not to blame here. Hive is not to blame. Hive is, is not a censorship mechanism in that sense. It's just that people get emotional when they lose rewards. Well, I get it. But that doesn't mean that Hive's censoring you. That just means that there's a couple of really basic trending algorithms that should be improved that where you won't get censored on. And I just wish people took that, that view on it a bit more. All right. What's that? All right. That's all I got for this week. Um, we're going to start keep these going regularly from now on. So we'll see you all next Saturday for episode 100. In episode 100, we're going to be, well, I haven't spoken to you about it yet, Dan, but I, I'm hoping that we're going to be doing a few give, giveaways. I'll certainly put some money in. So we'll have a, a few hundred dollars worth of giveaways for people. We'll come up with something for next week and then, have a have a good old fun show to celebrate episode one hundred. That's a big one. Count on me to throw something in as well. So see you all next week, episode one hundred. All right.
Cheers all. Speak to you all soon. Davis.